Welcome to On The Mic With Mike. We don't always have these conversations with our loved ones, but we need to. The podcast that addresses controversial issues that affect us in the criminal justice system. Do you understand what we had to get to to carry a gun and defend ourselves? And even cultural challenges we face every day. People just love to make it about race. That's not the case. What causes you to be in a relationship that may lead to a potential domestic issue down the line? Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from an independent perspective based on facts and data. Why not use statistics in your analysis? And now your host. Do I seem like I'm on something or am I just losing it? Instructor Mike. It goes along with that. Um... Our next CCL class is November 6th and 7th is a weekend, and then November 10th and 11th is a weekday course. Uh, We do offer advanced tactics um, as far as just defensive shooting, getting off the X, shooting on the move, cover and concealment, uh, multiple target acquisitions, reloads. If you get a chance, go to our Facebook. You'll see, obviously, the classes we had this past weekend. I had a level one and two last Saturday. And then, um, which was pretty awesome, having some guardians come out and learn to get off the X. Um, by the end of the class, granted, they still got some work to do, but beginning of class, it was taking them just over three seconds to get out of the holster and get execute two shots on target. Just over three seconds. By the end of the class, they were able to get out of the holster in 1.67 seconds and execute two shots on target which still in our defensive world is behind the curve, but it's not three seconds. Um, And majority of these people have been carrying for years. Um, So it was nice, obviously, for them to get some solid training and uh, be more effective. So follow us on Facebook, Guardian Concepts LLC, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys some more. All right, all right. Popcorn, who's next? Let's go, B. I was going to say, like, like, let's just go around the wheel, but that's all right, man. Uh, Brian E., uh, full-time cop, host of the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, owner of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, and EDC Belt Company, the foundation built, the most comfortable, functional concealed carry belt in the market. <laughs> that's my pitch, right? That's it. You got to um, for sure. Yeah, just been an instructor and a gun guy for about... Oh, going on 20 years. So gun guy for much longer, but uh, instructor for, I think I'm rolling into 17 now. So uh, based in Oklahoma. And uh, that's kind of the gist of it, man. I'll keep it brief, man. Yeah, yep, absolutely. <laughs> I know John took a ball to extra time. So I know, I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was ecstatic um, so- from last weekend. That's true. We gotta make up for all the the other day we missed last week. Yeah, we missed last Wednesday because no, because someone got someone got put in Facebook jail. That, no, that's uh, not oh, why. I to go to Hawaii. No, that's where. That's why I went out of town. That's why. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went uh-huh. out of town. I needed that one. We know the truth. He was locked up. They wouldn't let him out. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to get away. Yeah, it was. Oh, not that kind of lock. That kind, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> could, you, could you hear that when I did that? Yeah. 
I heard oh, okay. Yeah, I heard it. I just found out I have like on my mixer, I've got some pre-programmed sound effects. And uh, I was on a Zoom meeting. This is a funny aside. I was on this Zoom conference call the other day uh, and there was somebody on it that was kind of making me mad. And I kept going like that. And they were like, what is that? I'm like, Man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Marquis. Oh, my bad. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Marquise Miranda, um, owner of P6 Firearms Training. We do all the concealed carry training, the advanced training. We do all the stuff that everyone else does, except, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> and of course, you know, we all do our thing our own way. You know, we come out there, we try to get stuff done. We just did our last outdoor course of the season, maybe, tier. Um, we get out there, and unfortunately, not going to say unfortunately, it is what it is. It was supposed to be a defensive one course that actually became a concealed carry defensive one course because of the weather, because it was kind of cool outside. I was like, all right, well, you guys are going to learn how to draw from the holster wearing a coat or wearing a jacket. You know, you're going to get into it. So, of course, we're going to do the covert carry class next um, next year in warmer weather. But I was like, hey, no, we're going to get it in. Um, our concealed carry courses are by appointment. We do the private courses. We do the full 16 hours. I shy away from the eight hours because I feel like you can get more from me from doing two days, but it is what it is. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, instructor course coming up November, December timeframe. Um, I found a place in Matson that wants to host it. So I'm going to do, do the course there, and then we'll go to a local range to go do the shooting portion. So, Trader. You're still my hero. <laughs> but you like 50 minutes away. <laughs> oh. With no traffic. With no traffic. We'll still get down there, though. All right. Mike yes, Brown. we will. Mike Brown with Security Training Concepts. Um, you said Marcus hit ammo on you. Hey, Angela. Hey, hey, hey. All right, here we go. Oh, I know, Angela. Oh, Angela. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey. All right. Mike Brown with Security Training Concepts. Uh, MikeBrownsClass.com. Uh, we got a concealed carry class coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. So just go to MikeBrownsClass.com. Get all the information. Uh, don't want to take up too much time on that stuff like that. We'll have the ticker running across, so you'll be able to see that. And I want to introduce... Angela, because this is a topic of discussion that we are going to talk about today. Angela, you get to make your intro, uh, stuff like that, because we're going to talk about Alec Baldwin, watch some videos, react, all that great stuff. Angela, go. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Angela. I'm actually a professional stuntwoman. Um, I've been doing it for almost a decade. I'm a prof I am a licensed firearms instructor as well and martial arts instructor and I have been an armorer and safety on set before. So that's where my opinion comes in. <laughs> Not the end all be all by any means. And Mike, you're bringing some heavy hitters, man. Hey, but see, you know what? That's what we got to do. Literally. That's what we got to do because uh, I she's followed me on TikTok uh, and we had a wonderful discussion. I was like, yeah, let me bring you on YouTube so that way we you can add some value uh from someone who's actually been you know active in that industry because uh this is uh something worth talking about all right so here we go uh those of y'all let's get the likes up if you're watching this y'all don't understand sometimes but with social media 
That's how the algorithms work. They see the likes, they see the hearts, all that great stuff. That's how they know to push it, share it, all that great stuff. So we're not saying that just because I want to see hearts and little emojis and things just flash across the screen. When you all press those buttons and stuff like that, that's what gets that stuff going, okay? All right, so let's go on ahead and dive into it. We have been talking about the, oh, we're going to talk about the Alec Baldwin situation with him having shot and uh, killed the, as a matter of fact, tagged people in this too. Shot and killed, uh, what's her name? Helena Hutchinson. I almost botched the name again. So let's go on ahead and dive right into that. I got to produce this as well as talk. This is going to be something, y'all. All right, here we go. Getting our breaking news right now, we're learning more about a deadly accident on a movie set in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Moments ago, we learned actor Alec Baldwin fired the prop gun that killed one person and injured another. The victims, crew members, are on the Netflix Western film Rust. 42-year-old director of photography, Helena Hutchins, was rushed to the helicopter and then taken to a local trauma center where she died from her injuries. 48-year-old director Joel Souza was also injured in the accident. The movie starring Baldwin and Francis Fisher had just begun filming at the Bonanza Creek Ranch. Baldwin actually shared a video or actually shared a photo from the set of Rush earlier, Rust earlier today while in costume. Production has been stopped for the time being. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Now, for the record, I think it is... I'm Vinnie Paltan. Oh, here we go. That's going to be an important video to watch right there. But for the record... That shirt that he was wearing is not the blood of Elena Hutchinson. I think that that is – yeah, because that – if they couldn't have picked a worse picture, I think that was the worst picture to actually use. Like, uh, is that her blood? Like, he's proud of it? No, that's – you know. But every ounce of criticism that he is getting, he has earned. So before we dive into it, let's play this because um, – we and and this is going to be perfect for you, Angela. Uh, before we even begin to go on ahead and do the round table comments and stuff, because here you have it from a Hollywood director. So, we're going to play something right out of court TV with Vinnie Politz, and it's about 19 minutes or so. But we typically have a two hour show, but we can, we'll stop it and start during that time. Um, I, this is a Hollywood director providing some context as to uh, Alec Baldwin being told the gun was safe before shooting, what's the terms, hot gun, cold gun, things like that. So let's go on ahead and dive into it. And if any time you guys want to stop it, or I stop it, just yell stop, say stop, we'll stop it, and then we'll just go on and talk. Here we go. Great to have you here tonight on Closing Arguments, and we have a lot of stories to get to. But let me show you an image of a young woman who lost her life. There she is. Her name is Helena Hutchins. She was a cinematographer, worked hard, working on movies, is a mom, a wife, someone who was living her dream, making movies and, and having a family. And tonight, she's not alive. She should be alive. And our thoughts are with her family this evening. I want you to see her first before we get into our discussion tonight, because here on Court TV, we talk about facts, we talk about law. Uh, we're going to break down what all of this means, but let's not lose sight of this incredible loss uh, for this family tonight. Now, the person responsible for her death, the one who fired the weapon that killed her, is Alec Baldwin. 
Here he is. Um, he was in the midst of producing and filming and starring in uh, what's been described as a low-budget movie. And they're out in Santa Fe. Here's what he has uh, tweeted out, uh, his first tweet since this uh, fatal shooting. There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred. And I am in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband, their son, and all who knew and loved Helena. Um, this is a difficult one. This is, this, this is a difficult one. This is not a, some murder plot. Uh, no, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that were at work making a movie. Let me show you the scene. This is it. The name of the movie is called Rust. Uh, it was a Western-style movie um, shot outside of uh, Santa Fe in New Mexico. And that's where, that's where it took place. So how could this happen? How could what they're referring to as a prop gun be responsible for taking the life of the cinematographer and also striking the director. I see your face, Angela. Two victims here. The director survived. Uh, but as you know, Helena did not. Let me bring in a special guest to try to give us some perspective of what happens on movie sets, because I have no idea. Never been there. Joining us from New York, New York, film director with uh, Rosso Films uh, International, who is currently filming a World War II movie called Subject A. Laura Pellegrini is with us. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, let me begin first with this word that has been tossed around a lot that creates a lot of confusion, prop gun. What, what is a prop gun? What does that mean when someone says it was a prop gun? Well, I think the deceptive thing about the term prop gun is that it actually isn't a prop. Um, there are real guns that are used on movie sets. And Stefano Defray, my uh, filmmaking partner, we've done a ton of um, films, uh, worked on a bunch of movie sets where we have... Um, use prop guns on set. Um, and basically, in order to, to ensure the safest conditions, you need, to have, you need to have licensed armors on set who are tightly managing those licensed, uh, prop wait, guns. Wait, 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 go a little yeah. slower here. Licensed what? Sure. What'd you call them? Licensed, licensed armorers. Typically in film, we call them uh, weapons masters. And they're specifically in charge of regulating uh, prop guns on set because any random person who would take control of a gun wouldn't know what to do So they have to take them through the protocol of how to do it safely So that when you fire a blank for instance, you don't shoot someone at close range and potentially either injure them really badly or Kill them. I want to put up on the screen something from an LA Times article which which grabbed a lot of attention here and it says a live single round was accidentally fired on set by the principal actor hitting both the director of photography, local 600 member Helena Hutchins, and director Joel Souza. Both were rushed to the hospital, said an email sent to members of Local 44, a North Hollywood-based chapter of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. A source close to the union told the Times that it does not know what projectile was in the gun, the source also clarified that live, in reference to a live single round, is an industry term that refers to a gun being loaded with some material such as a blank 
ready for filming. What's your understanding? What are the terms that are used? And, and have you on your sets ever used that term live single round? Well, we have, but it, the interesting question that's brought up is what materials could be in the gun. Um, chances are that this gun was loaded with blanks, which doesn't have bullets in it. Let me make that clear. There are uh, maybe dummy bullets that they replace with actual bullets, but it can still be dangerous even if you have a blank because they involve gunpowder. And there's a cartridge with paper wadding and wax, which is meant to provide kind of a realistic looking flame and spark when someone shoots the gun because you want to produce the most quote unquote realistic effect. But there again, if not handled properly and if not taught how to handle it properly, um, it can burn someone's hand. And that's where safety, safety coordinators, that's where their job is super important, where they do need to step in and intervene. Okay. Um, let's get to some of the facts here now. There's a, there's a, uh, in a warrant that was filed and, and being reported on tonight, talked about that the assistant director allegedly handed the gun to Alec Baldwin saying it's a cold gun. What does that mean? And, and what would be the expectation of someone being handed a gun that's a cold gun? And why would the assistant director be handing that to the actor? So if he said that it was a cold gun, chances are it either happened, you know, let's say a couple hours beforehand or wasn't tested in an open range to make sure that A, it works and that B, it doesn't hit anyone. Um, whereas if it was a hot gun, that would have meant that it had been tested and that they'd have to not use it right away. Wait, 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 okay. This, 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 I'm trying to understand now. So there's a term that is used on the set, hot gun, cold gun, and it doesn't have to do with what, what's inside the gun. It has to do with the testing that is done on the gun? Correct. So what does cold mean? Cold means that it hasn't been used. So does, so, so would, you, would you perceive a cold gun as being more or less dangerous than a hot gun? I'm, I'm still not 100% clear here. Well, if, if, it's a, if it's a cold gun, like I said, chances are it hasn't been tested in an open range. So the thing is, if, if anything, you'd want to test it, right, which would then make it a hot gun. And then you see, oh, OK, we tested it. It's OK. All, all lanes are clear for us to use this, right? So on the, on the movie sets you've been on, yeah. what I'm getting from you right now, because this is, this, this is important. All these terms are brand new to everyone that's listening tonight, except the actors and people who've worked on movies. Cold means untested. I don't know what's in that gun. Hot means they tested it on the open range and we cleared that it's safe to be used. No! Those terms have nothing to do with whether or not it's loaded with blanks um, or completely empty. Not necessarily, no. Is there any chance that these terms can be used differently on different sets and might mean different things to different sure. people? That's sure. a problem. That's that a huge a problem. problem. That is a problem because then you don't create a unanimous um, understanding of what that means, right? So then you have sets that are. I think we got plenty to talk about, movie, Mike. Yep, yep, go. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I got a question for Angela. Yeah. Have you ever worked with ISI, the the prop people out of uh, uh, basically LA? The the movie prop gun people they do pretty much every major production in Hollywood. I have not directly worked with them. No. Yeah, they 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 provide the guns for like John Wick and all and I mean anything they've got Dirty Harry's Model 29, I mean they got them all. And there's some good uh 
there's like a three video series that Ken Hackathorn and Larry Vickers did where they toured their facility and they looked through all of these prop guns and uh, basically talk about how they would have like a rubber dummy for certain scenes. They would have a, uh, a gun that was safe for blank fire. So you would have some type of a, uh, a plug or something in the, in the bore. Yeah. And then they would have non firing guns that would, they would use dummy ammo in to give the, the perception like on a revolver. So if they were shooting a scene from the front, you could actually see cartridges in it. Um, which is ultimately what killed Brandon Lee because they used a blank gun with dummies in it, took the dummies out and one of the projectiles stayed. So, uh, but it was a really fascinating, I'll throw that plug out. It was a really fascinating deep dive into uh, this production or it's not a production company. It's just a prop supply company. And uh, I was just kind of curious if you had ever worked with them or experienced that. So, I've experienced that, yes, but not worked with them directly, no. Gotcha. Before we go into diving about plenty that we have to talk about, there has been new information that has just come out today from the Santa Fe Sheriff, um, uh, Adam Mendoza, that will provide more facts from what they know that will make this a rich conversation because that that's what we need to know and and get ready to be pissed off even more so let's dive here we go wait can't dive if you can't see the shit so all right the damn water here we go Condolences to the Hutchins family, a speedy recovery to Mr. Souza, and our concern for the safety of all the men and women in the film industry. On Thursday, October 21st, 2001, at 1.48 p.m., we were dispatched to Bonanza Creek Ranch in reference to a 911 call advising that two people had been shot on a movie set. The first deputy arrived at 2 o'clock p.m. and EMS arrived at 2.01 p.m. It was later determined that Helena Hutchins, the director of cinematography, and Joel Souza, the director, had been shot while rehearsing a scene on the movie Rust. During the initial investigation, it was determined that actor-producer Alec Baldwin was the person that fired the weapon. We identified two other people that handled and or inspected the loaded firearm prior to Baldwin firing the weapon. These two individuals are armor Hannah Reed Gutierrez and assistant director David Halls. All three individuals have been cooperative in the investigation and have provided statements. Over the last few days, our investigative team has been working diligently to conduct interviews, execute search warrants, and collect and process evidence from the scene. During this process, we determined that there were a limited amount of movie set staff present in the area where the actual incident took place, although there were approximately 100 people on set. Through the execution of search warrants, we have collected about 600 items of evidence. 
These include, but are not limited to, three firearms, approximately 500 rounds of ammunition, and several pieces of clothing and accessories. We believe that we have in our possession the firearm that was fired by Mr. Baldwin. This is the, vi- this is the firearm we believe discharged the bullet. We also believe that we have the spent shell casing from the bullet that was fired from the gun. The actual lead projectile that was fired has been recovered from the shoulder of Mr. Souza. The projectile was recovered by medical personnel where he was being treated and turned over to the sheriff's office as evidence. We regard this specific spent casing and recovered projectile to be the live round that was fired from the revolver by Mr. Baldwin. We have recovered what we believe to be possible additional live rounds on set. All the previous mentioned items, along with other items of evidence, will be submitted to the FBI Crime Lab in Quantico, Virginia. All right, that's enough right there to go on ahead and start the conversation. So now we know live rounds were on set. Angela, go. Um, that's insane to me. Um, I have never been on a set where live ammunition was allowed. Um, and I did also read earlier that they had been, I guess, earlier that day doing live target practice with the so-called prop guns. Um, there's just so many things, so many things wrong with this. I, I don't even live ammunition period should just not be on set and is usually never allowed on set. Um, it just, this is, I don't know. That's just, it boggles my mind. I, that it's just stupidity and lack of know-how and I think experience to be honest. So, Let's get into the debate because we I, I've been reading a lot of comments and I've been hearing from, you know, the NRA folks, USCCA folks. But let's stick with NRA because that's the, the dominating, you know, rules, the assume every firearm is loaded, you know, point that firearm in a safe direction, keep your finger off the trigger, target, backstop, all that great stuff. When we're looking at liability. Just everybody, right off the cusp. Who do you think is first responsible? Armorer. Armorer. Armorer, yes. I was going to say whoever's holding that gun. Uh, that's so, where we're going to debate. Go, Mark. You know what? I was going to ask a question to Angela because maybe she can answer it. On a set with firearms, is there ever a safety brief given to the actors about the firearms and everything else? Yes, 100%. Before so, any before any um, take, um, usually we'll we'll do a safety briefing in the morning, um, and depending on whatever tool or weapon or whatever is being used, um, we will give a clear and concise safety briefing. Uh, I like to record them on my phone just in case. Um, but yes, it is most certainly done, and everyone is aware of what's going on. Um, for every every take. Okay, so for me right now, and this is me stuck in my head, we always talk about 
what is your life worth? You pay for a low budget armorer and you had someone besides the armorer handling firearms and passing firearms to actors. So let's look at that right there in the chain of custody. Why is anyone that's not the armorer passing guns to anybody? If anyone has ever done a force on force class in their life, let me phrase that. If anyone's ever done a force on force class that's worth its salt ever in their life, know that there is one person that handles the firearms to the students. There's one area where we are considered clear where you're allowed to be in this area and you've already been patted down to make sure that you don't have any weapons or anything else. And once you leave this clear area, you get searched every time you come in and out. So the fact that a producer or director, whoever the hell it was, passed the gun to Alec Baldwin, I'm already stuck on a point like, well, if Mr. Alec Baldwin wasn't so anti-two-way, he might have been taught how to check for that firearm when he was receiving it. Now, Angela, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a lot of times where they have, and this goes into obviously with what Marquise is saying, but instead of it being a sole person, there's like checks and balances put in place where more than one person is obviously in charge of making sure that the firearms are, do not contain live ammunition. There is, it depends on the budget. <laughs> well, and that's where, I mean, we go to that budget. So right, right. those it that don't know, budget. yeah, I mean, for those that don't know, um, Helena's father, you know what I mean, was actually the first one approached for being the armor for the set of Rust. Um, or you mean the ar- the armorers? Trail Reed. Trail Reed. Trail he was Reed the one that was, was actually approached yeah. to be the original armor for Rust. Okay. Um, but he came with a five thousand uh, dollar price tag, and so the the production deemed that as too expensive, and so Reed obviously um, gave a secondary option, i.e., his daughter of being another option where they could only pay her. They sh- she could come in and do it for a thousand dollars. Four thousand dollars less. That sounds about right. Yeah, that makes. Yeah, what you pay for? <laughs> you heard? You yeah. get what you pay for. Now, Marcus Darby, uh, shouts out to Black Matrix Academy. Um, it's instructor Darby. He says, "Are there a are there requirements to be an armor for a movie production?" And before Angela asked that question, because I already know what she's gonna say. Uh, we had a wonderful conversation yesterday. If you go to careersinfilm.com, a master armorer, uh, and he, I don't know who titled him that, but that's just according to the document. Uh, master armorer Mike Tristano said that there is no degree program for armorer, uh, but I know Angela will follow with some other information. Uh, and then we have to look at 
context because there's Glock armor, Springfield armor, Six Sour armorer, but those are armorers in terms of the slight gunsmithing and holer in part of the specific weapon system, not armorer in terms of the knowledge of guns in and of the whole. So, Angela, if you could provide more information on that. Uh, you're you're correct. Well, there's you have to be a licensed armorer. Technically, there has to be a licensed armorer on set. Okay. Um, and that is by union rules. Several unions um, have that in their written rules. Um, I'm assuming this was a SAG project, but a very low-budget SAG project. Um, but sometimes what can happen is, you know, poop runs downhill. So they have a budget. Again, back to the budget. Um, and the father was probably a licensed armorer. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's just like, well, do a favor. Lots of favors are done to the film industry. Um, and it's, it's really tragic. But, yes, there is supposed to be a licensed armorer for said project. Um, and the union requires that. So, so what dictates? So what dictates a licensed armor? I mean, is it someone? Okay, so they go through a Glock armor, of course. You know what I mean? Which essentially lasts a day. Right. And they're technically, you know, what I mean, good to go with Glocks. So does that mean that a Glock armor can now go out and be on a set? Um, well, you have to go through the necessary paperwork and all the necessary ticks for the for the actual union that you're a part of. Okay. It depends on. Um, it's IATSE or whatever the union is. I think that was on. I know what you're talking about. Cause I yeah. actually, so for me, like I went to, I, I used actually my GI bill cause I'm not a college person. Um, for me, like I went to Sonoran desert Institute, which is gunsmithing school. Oh, that's you know cool. I mean? So use my GI bill for that. And obviously everything else. So technically I'm a licensed gunsmith. Well, I can't say a certified gunsmith. Because in order to be a licensed gunsmith, you got to be attached to an FFL. I can't just work on anyone's guns. I got to, because again, for ATF and federal firearms and everything else, I have to be attached to a, an FFL in order to actually complete the work on those firearms. Now, when you so that's what I was trying to see. When you got your program, did you get it from the midnight program that said if you wanted to be a no. gunsmith, just send your $45 and – no, I'm just waiting. Oh, hell no. You know it's those hell commercials no. that come on at night. Go ahead, yeah, Marquis. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is what I'm always going to say, and this is how it is. Certification don't equal qualification. Oh, no, 1,000%. So, so, no, no, no. I ain't talking about you, John. No, I know. I'm you. saying the general. I'm saying for a fact that just because someone puts you on the set and says you are the master armorer means that someone said, you know what you're doing. Which means shit. It means nothing. Not to be funny, we being led by a bunch of people with a bunch of degrees who don't know shit. Well, yes and no. I mean, you can go into the union aspect if you really want to go down that route. How many journeymen paid for their journeyman cards without ever putting in the hours to be journeyman. I won't confirm or deny that statement because I don't know. But I can tell you I, how many Illinois concealed carry instructors we got. Ho! And I just caught one yesterday, too, who sat there talking about he doing a 16-hour course and only doing one day 
from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And that's a... Let's keep Eight talking. Let's go. For I'm... one day does not equal 16 hours. I know that. Hold on, let me take my shoes off because I, I can't count past 10 without my shoes on. Let me see. Oh. That... That, that, that don't equal 16, though. Does not equal 16. I don't know. Brian, what do you think? What you've heard so far, what's your input? Well, <laughs> I guess I need to get a job in the film industry because I've got about nine different armor certifications. And uh, But the last time, this will frighten you. So I got, I got called to do uh, like some potential consulting on a small independent film here in the city. And uh, one of my gun buddies said, hey, this is the guy like he's, you know, I'm not breaking my arm, patting myself on the back, but they're like this, this dude's a gun guy. And he's got, you know, he, he knows how to build 1911s. He knows how this, he's Glock, Sig, blah, 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 armor, this, that, and the other. He's been an instructor for six. Oh yeah, that's the guy. So I get a phone call um, from one of the union members that's like, are you an NRA instructor? I said, no, man, uh, I've never gone through it because uh, the instructor school I went to, you actually had to like do a lot. Yes. It wasn't a two day deal. Right. Yes. And uh, they're like, yeah, we're not interested. And I'm like, you gun hating communists yes. that absolutely lambast the, the, the NRA will not hire me to consult on your film because I don't have the NRA qualification. So like a month later, I went through. NRA pistol and basic and instructor. And I was like, this is it really? Okay. And I'm not knocking out that. I mean, there's people out there that, you know, it's, it's one of the few paths you can go through. Right. But, uh, something like Tom Gibbons range master, way, way better course yes. demanding, you know, so it, it was pretty shocking to me to see that. And then as far as like a, a licensed cert, like armor, like that's kind of an ambiguous term. That's like, well, I'm a licensed driver. Okay. Well, what do you have a manual or an automatic or are you driving a half ton truck or a three quarter towing? What you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there's, I think the NRA has some armor certifications out there and maybe, or they did at one time. I thought, I don't know. No, but, they got other stuff, but no. But, you know, it makes me like whenever somebody says I am a certified, I go, well, who certified you? Well, where, where's that? What is that? I mean, I could say, well, I'm a certified uh, uh, certified law enforcement instructor just as an ambiguous term and had never served in law enforcement and went to some like four hour class at a Votech, you know. And go well. I went through an instructor development program. There's a lot of governing bodies out there that operate like that. Well, you're such and such certified. Well, who deems that accredited? And you'll see that in the law enforcement world. You see that a lot, uh, especially like with products. Well, I'm a certified instructor on this. The cert pistol. Well, yeah, the cert <laughs> or, or the baton. I'm a certified yeah, or, baton uh, instructor. OC spray. You know what I mean? I'm an OC spray instructor. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, did you develop curriculum? Have you had that pressure tested and peer reviewed? Or did you go to a class? And if so, who taught that class and who deemed them the, the authority on it? Right. And 
you know, you peel back layers sometimes and you start to see that a lot of things that say certified and they tend to be uh, a bit of a facade. Uh, now, that's not to say that there aren't some great programs out there, but I, I, that's just been my experience. And, you know, I, I've literally been to even some of the higher level instructor courses where I show up with a double action, single action gun and an instructor does not even know how to use that. And I'm like, put it on safe. Yeah. Yeah. The put it on safe story. Well, it doesn't have one. It's a G model. What's a G model. You know, maybe you shouldn't be teaching this block of instruction to me. Um, I'm a certified concealed carry instructor. Well, what does that entail? Does that mean I teach you the legalities or does that mean that I can teach you how to run a gun from concealment? I'm a certified armor. Well, there's like a million different firearms configurations out there. Are you certified on everyone? You know? So I'm going to read to you what the education and training is for a movie set armor. Go ahead. The armor acts. Maybe my new, new venture. I, I agree. We, we got to work together, B. Um, the armor acts as a historian regarding the weapons. Therefore, they must study exactly what weapon would be correct for the time, but also answer any questions an actor or actress has on it. Getting a history degree or studying in a person's private time can be good, but the best is to be a sponge on set as an intern or apprentice. This is a very specific type of career. There have been thousands of edge weapons and firearms in history. The longer someone is in the industry, the more they'll learn and be able to actually bring that to a film. Therefore, it can be good to take classes in history and weapon safety. When they are learning on set, that person would have a boost to help contextualize and what contextualize what is going on in that specific time period. Where in there do you hear certification? And it sounds like thing. it's an, a, a journeyman program of perpetual incestuous inbreeding of bad information. So what you got is you being blessed in yeah. because you knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who hey, brought Angela, you do you know anybody that needs to know somebody? Because I know somebody. Right. Uh, so, so literally you're talking about your armor based on lineage and who you've worked with. Yeah. So and that's where I was going to say, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah, I referenced obviously where I went to the school for SDI. But where I didn't get a chance to get to is, is that essentially it sounds crazy, but the program was a joke. You know what I mean? It literally was. It's nothing more than a piece of paper. At the end of the day, the true experience that, you know what I mean, you get from being a gunsmith is actually doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like re-bluing a gun. You, you actually have to do that. It's not one of those, you know what I mean, I can read it in a textbook, you know what I mean, to answer some questions on how to do it, and all of a sudden I'm golden. So I got, I read a statement today in relation to this whole Alec Baldwin incident, and one of the prop masters or assistants on, uh, whoever handed him the gun, one of the statements that they made was when the, they said, well, how do you know that it's not a hot gun? And he said, I turned the drum. Yes. Yeah, I, I went. Yep. 
wait a minute, wait a minute. Turn like the drum. Exactly. So I'm thinking, well, okay, what is what is he trying to say in his mind? And then they read that basically this gun is a, a knockoff of a Colt single action army. So I'm sitting in, in my head going, okay, what's the procedure? Okay, put it on half cock, open the loading gate, rotate the cylinder and check each six chambers to see that they're clear and then do it again. And then bring it to close the loading gate, bring it to the full, fully cocked, allow the hammer to to drop on an empty chamber, basically ease the hammer down. Right. And I'm like, this dude's answer was spin the drum. Exactly. That, like that, like chilled me to the but bone. I'm like, hold this guy goes, but, okay, well, it seems it gets empty. But that's what they do with revolvers in Hollywood. Now, I'm not saying armorers. I'm talking about after you see that. Well, on the I don't know that I could say it's they as in like the royal they, but. Um, untrained. Untrained do that. Yeah. Untrained. Yeah, it's like, what are they looking for? I spun the drum. Well, what if it's like going, whoop, whoop, whoop. well, there's probably something in there if you hadn't visually verified it. But when I read that statement from somebody who was supposed to be in the know, I was like, yeah, it's amazing that they hadn't killed anybody yet. Yeah. So. And even that one aspect of even, you know, doing, like you said, have cock open the loading gate, spin it around to look at each chamber. I take one step Lick extra. Six Six times and then click it six more, meaning well, advance well, the cylinder I, six times. What I was going to say is I'll take it a step further. Look somewhere else and look back at it and do it again. Make sure your eyes aren't deceiving you. This, yeah. this was the revolver. It was a F. Lee or F-L-L-I Pieta 45 coat, uh, long coat. So this Yeah, was, it's, an, it's an Italian knockoff of a single action army. Right, See, I right. should be working in Hollywood. Yeah, See, yeah it's, it's, it's cute. Qualified. I'll be right back. Qualified. Qualified. It, it, it's, a cute, it's a cute gun, specifically made for Hollywood. Because those guys had real guns back in the day. This is their super sexy gun for Hollywood use. Right. You've seen the real Colts. Right. Come on, man, stop. You've seen them joints. So, Angela, what are your thoughts? Well, there's a lot. <laughs> um, one, I'm definitely not an expert on revolvers. Um, but I, the AD, in my opinion, from what I've experienced on set, should not have had his hands on the firearm at all. Um, as you were saying, uh, Marquise, um, if I'm the armorer or I'm even safety or whatever, or if I'm both, if it's a low budget, I wear a lot of hats probably. So... I'm safety. I'm my own safety. I'm the armorer, but I'm going to unload show clear and I'm going to show clear to several people and have them vocally just announce, okay, clear, 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 as they watch me hand Alec the firearm. He sees it, person A, B, if the AD wants to look at it, fine. But I'm not putting that firearm in his hand. So that's me. And knowing liability and knowing how stupid people can be. <laughs> right. And let's not forget that he's worked with the 1911 in a movie called uh, The Shadow. Mm-hmm. He's worked with single fire pistols, um, the, um, the muskets in that same movie. So what made me mad about this is that it became a call to arms to remove guns out of Hollywood. And I was like, wait a minute, time out, flag on a play. As many movies 
that were made in Hollywood involving guns. Right. This is literally, and I'll go check my history again, the third time someone's been shot on set since the beginning of movies. That we know of, for sure. That's what we publicized. Bruh, yeah. we can only go with what we know of. Yeah, yeah. So three times. Yeah. So this is almost like making people get back. I'm kidding. I won't do that. That's it. You just did it. You almost did it. That's it. I'm, no, no, I'm kidding. I won't do that. that was but again, one. that's what I'm like. So you're going to tell the world guns in movies is bad because of three separate incidents versus every John Wick movie that's ever come out has had more gun action than any Western you've ever seen, has had more... Hell, a Rambo movie has had tremendous body counts and no accidents. Expendables. Come on, man. Who has not seen... If you haven't seen Expendables, something wrong with you, but that's just how I feel. Expendables 2 with Chuck Norris, that was a high-ass body count and no incidents. Mm-hmm. And the one incident they had on an Expendables movie was a truck that went out of control with Jason Statham in it, who is a practice diver who actually got out of the truck while it was being submerged underwater. But Hollywood ain't saying trucks need to be removed from movies. Right. So, well, to your point, ahead, John Wick, the first one, chapter one, those were all airsoft guns. I talked to one of the guys that worked on set for that. They didn't use any live guns, anything capable of live. They all they went and dubbed all that later. Those were every one of those was an airsoft gun. Airsoft is fun that's to a prop, use. That's a prop gun. That's in my right, opinion. Right. That's a prop gun. That's a prop gun, and that's the only kind of prop guns, in my opinion, that I'll bring if someone's asking me to do a project. So let's I'm airsoft. You're right. I'm sorry, Angela. Let's get into the 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 debate. Alec Baldwin, does he have because of course we're looking at who fired the gun. Does he have criminal liability in this? Go. Potentially. Why do you say so, Brian? Go. Well, even though that's kind of like if you crash your car not on purpose and you kill another driver or a passenger in another vehicle or the passenger in your own vehicle, you're guilty of at least a manslaughter. It was there was no criminal intent, but it happened. Right. Uh, You know. Okay, so let's look at let's look at the elements of manslaughter in that. Though the language may shift from uh, New Mexico to where you are, Brian, to us in Illinois and where you are, Angela, the language is somewhere close the same. You lack the commensurate intent, but your actions that you perform, you know they can potentially be dangerous and cause death. And you commit to that action, and it does, in fact, cause a death. Do we mutually agree that that's a roundabout? I could read you the definition right here. Go ahead. It's the crime of killing a human being without malice aforethought, meaning you had no intent, right, Right. to harm another person. Or in otherwise circumstances not amounting to murder. 
And murder requires murder one requires aggravated circumstances that include malice aforethought. Right. And you had intent to harm that person beforehand. So manslaughter, no intent to harm that person beforehand, and they ended it resulted in their death is kind of in lay terms. So. Uh, and that's the Webster's definition. So, um, I mean, I think that kind of covers all the, all right, all the bases. So, yeah. let's 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 go there because I tend to think that when it comes down to these situations, context matters. That's I what believe I was, con. You said what? That's what I was just about to ask. If because the context of making a movie is so different. Yes. Now, let's go there because I know I got a lot of gun nuts from the NRA and the shouts out to the NRA, but not, you know what I'm saying? Not real always. Okay. So let's go there because I got a lot of folks saying, well, you should always, always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. Let's go there. Was the gun in the context of a movie set pointed in a safe direction towards the cinematographer whose job it is to record that scene of him pointing a gun at the screen? Yes. Technically, for that purpose, yeah. Because if she was supposed to be taking a picture of him pointing a gun at her... In context of that movie set, yes, it was a safe direction. Now, some will sit there, and matter of fact, mostly everyone will sit there and say, who's been trained, NRA, firearms instructor, whatever the case may be, any environment outside of the movie set, because context matters. Whenever someone hands you a gun, the first thing you do, everybody, is what? Check to see if it's loaded. Check to see if it's loaded, right? But that's every place outside of the context of a of a movie set and in the mindset of a person like Alec Baldwin, who, though he is the producer, he is not acting in the mindset of a producer at that time. I'll give you case in point. Firearms instructor... And range safety officer, should you do them both at the same time? No. Nail no. No. Why? Because the range safety officer has different observational detail-oriented catch-the-small-shit duties versus a firearms instructor who is instructional. And so if we combine a firearms instructor who is acting as a range safety officer, do you think the NRA would smile on that or frown on that? Smile. I think that that's kind of a misconstrued concept. Okay. Because I'll, I'll, every, I'll entertain it. Go. Every, pers- every person on a firing line, on a gun range, operating firearms and i don't care what the context is every single person there is a is a range safety officer period okay so that's one of the very first things you brief in an instructor school is that anyone on the firing line observing anything unsafe can call ceasefire you're all expected to be a range safety officer so putting different hats on people for the same thing it, 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 
it's kind of inconsequential. So let me. The other thing is always ahead. keep guns safe, pointed in a safe direction. Is a simunition gun a gun? Yes. Okay, we shoot each other with them. Yes. Context. Context. Right. We brought that up. We brought up, uh, we, we brought that up earlier. Uh, B. Everything is based on context. It is. Her taking and, a picture. Her taking a picture of him holding a gun was a safe direction because that's where she was choosing to take that picture from. And of course, yeah. It, it, and here's the, the the bigger thing that I look at, regardless of context, regardless of all range safety officer, firearms instructor, whatever. Whose responsibility is it ultimately to but, make sure that gun is safe to operate in the context? The armorer. In the context the of the movie, holding the gun, but but that's not but that's not the case though. And I'm sure I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna throw it right back on Angela because she's in that field. And what I'm saying is this: if we're not in the context of a movie set, we couldn't possibly imagine what it's like to play fake when we live in a world of reality. On the movie set, it's about creating realism, using as much fake as it relates to that dangerous tool of a firearm so within the context that's why you have an armorer who is separate from the actor because the actor already has enough to focus on their lines to focus on their speech to focus on just take for instance idris elba who is not a native american english speaking person who has to speak in an english uh, uh, american accent that's a lot for them to concentrate on then to ask them to clear the firearm they need to be handed a firearm that is cleared and checked to make sure it's cleared. I got to say one more thing before I kick it over to Angela. You said every person on the range is a safety officer. I know, Brian, you've been teaching a lot of classes. Same thing as Marquise and John, where we say that and we see people doing dumb shit and everybody else who is our students will sit there and fucking watch them do it and won't say shit till we check it. Well, shit, take it a step further. You was in my class and we was doing a drill and I said, damn, I wish I could record this, but I can't be occupying a phone and teaching a course and making sure everything is safe at the same time. You stepped up and said, hold on, let me get someone to record for us then. Dude, it's even that damn simple. If I got time to record my students doing shit while I'm teaching, I'm not teaching then. So the whole thing about everyone being a safety officer, I'm with you if there's more than one line of students. But we're talking gun range. At the gun range I can't now, tell you the number of times I've been shooting at an indoor range and walked over and said, stop, put your gun down. Because you you're, an you're an instructor. Regardless, before I was before I was anything. Uh but that's where I mean, that we, and I that mean, should be if you are an instructor, that should be absolutely one of the things that you pound into people's head. But so wait, that and B, if you, you just, see something unsafe, you are you have a duty to act on that. But, that, but you just said, but B, you just said before you were anything. Mm-hmm. When did you become a cop? Uh, 19 years ago, 19 years ago. So. 15, so about 25 years ago, you told someone they was doing something unsafe with a gun. 
23, yeah, absolutely. Jim's Pawn Shop on Yadkin Boulevard and it, just outside of the gates of Fort Bragg. I'm sitting there at an indoor Why gun range. Fort Bragg? He was in the what? military. Yeah. Thank you. You was in the military. Hey, but I'm, I'm regardless. Not, I wasn't an instructor, I'm, but I, I, I drew sure walked over and said, "Hey, don't point that gun at me, bro. Put that on the bench and go get some get so some this, some coaching so, or something." So this is what I'm gonna say: If you have any firearm experience, I can see a person respecting the everyone's an RSO thing. Yeah. So it, if you're putting on say. a class, are right. you not giving them firearms experience? But firearms experience could be what we see on the range when people get their FOIA card in Illinois right. and they get their gun and they go and pop a few holes on a piece of paper. And then when they pop a few holes on a piece of paper, they say they got experience. The thing is, you can tell someone if you see something that's unsafe, let me know. And they'll head bob you and they're like, well, what the fuck is unsafe? I don't know. You see what I'm saying? We, we sit there and we make certain statements like common sense isn't common amongst common folks, but everybody should have common sense. You see what I'm saying? That I, so I'm, gonna, I'm not saying that's the reality of it, but I'm saying what the ultimately every single person on that line is a range safety officer, period. But if well, we all the time. In, I'm going to chime in real quick. And sure. This is obviously based on context. So, Brian, obviously, I already know you and I, you and I have talked. When did you officially start shooting? At what age? That would be 39 years ago at age three. And that was based off of, hold on, that was based off, obviously, your, your father or parents, correct? What's that? That was based yeah, off Yeah, I mean, to some parents. degree, yes. So, obviously, and I, and I grew up, I, granted, I, I had other family members, per se, you know what I mean, that taught me to shoot at a very young age as well. And most of us that have been around guns our entire lives had it ingrained in our head at a very early age about gun safety, firearm safety, you know what I mean? All the safety rules that go across the board. But nowadays, and, and, and then even then, take context of what it was back in 1980s, 1990s. 82. Back in 82. I was one years so, old. So, you know what I mean? Going back to that point, you know what I mean? The culture is different. Shit. So nowadays, Yeah, but, but the responsibility got, is the same. Well, no, and I get the responsibility. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not changing the level of responsibility. But this is where I, this is where I'm going to go with this. In the culture that we live in today, because of riding, world star, everything else underneath the sun. You know what I mean? Everyone being so happy. Everyone is essentially afraid of confrontation. So if I call someone out, and again, not me, but I am a brand new gun owner who just went to my Illinois CCL class. And yes, I got told that I was a range safety officer, but essentially because Illinois CCL class is, let's be honest, a joke for most instructors. Okay. Now I'm going to be at the range and I'm already afraid of confrontation. So if I see somebody doing something stupid and now I'm going to tell them to stop, now there's a possibility of a confrontation arising. Then don't go to that gun range. Well, no, and I get it. Yeah, I get it, but I'm giving the culture that we're living in. You know what I mean? And especially like when you get up into Chicago, okay? Yeah. Down here, obviously by me, I'm 60 miles south of Chicago. Now, granted, I still have Kankakee down here, which is decent enough. I don't know what that is. It's a town decent enough where they got some major issues. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, to the point where we have shootouts on the courthouse lawn. You know what I mean? That that's that's the type of Sounds issue. Sounds sporty. 
Oh, it, 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 it's 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 pretty fun. Um, but there's again, there's context with it. You know what I mean? So like when you get up into Chicago, you know what I mean? Obviously, there's a heavy heavy fear of con of conf- confrontation. Absolutely. Heavy fear of confrontation. If, if you are carrying a gun, what is the reason for carrying that gun? Oh, I get it. Again, because it is the ultimate re- resolution to a conflict, correct? Concept. My boyfriend got a but felony. Came up Again, we get into conflict. Yeah, we get into the context. You know what I mean? Like we all teach. So all the instructors up here teach that the firearm is only one tool on your tool belt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is only one tool. You should have the art of this. Right. Okay. When. Well, I, I forgot where this uh, where this jumped off the track. Well, we, 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 no, we're, we're still talking about the safety. Yeah, we're talking about safety. My whole thing, if you're if you're handling live guns, if if you're around people that are handling live guns and they don't understand that they have a responsibility to tell someone next to them, in front of them, behind, wherever it is, you're being unsafe, stop. And they don't they don't possess the confidence to do that, then maybe we need to do an introspective as instructors and go, maybe we're not teaching these people what they need to know. So here's uh, because you get one opportunity, one opportunity, because the first time that that unsafe act kills someone or Mm -hmm. injures them grievously, you've lost that opportunity. Yes. Thousand percent. Yeah, so I, I agree with you, Mike. I'll I'll, I'll chime in. Obviously, no, no, jump Mark, in. no, no. I'm just acting. But I mean, in, in my classes, you know, what I mean, yes, I am the firm believer, and I tell everyone, my everyone that's gone to my classes will flat out say, I tell everyone when I go over the range information, and I get to you, know I mean, ceasefires. If again, if anyone sees an unsafe action, you know what I mean, anyone can yell ceasefire three times, and you have, your, de- you have to, you have to. Yeah, you have to define for people what an unsafe act is. Oh yeah, no, we do. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean we do. I talk about from handling the firearm back up behind the ready line. You know what I mean? We're all adults. We're not back here. You know what I mean? You're not Wyatt Earp. You're not freaking Clint Eastwood. We're not spinning our guns trying to throw them in our holster. Well, you know maybe I mean? you aren't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not on my ready line. You know? I know. Right. Exactly. I'm just. Not I'm totally being line. comical there. I know. But, I mean, so, yes, we, we exactly – and I know we all do this. You know what I mean? At least all of the instructors that are here. Now, granted, I can't attest for all instructors. You know what I mean? I can attest yeah. for one, two, three, four instructors, five instructors. Well, I assume Angela probably follows the same stuff. I, does, I haven't yeah. seen her. She's so, in California. She, hers is more stupid really? than ours. So mm-hmm. – I did, oh, my, I, I did my research. Angela's good to go. Otherwise, she wouldn't even be. Well, no. What I was going to say is this. She's in California. So everything's a hell of a lot more stricter yes. in California. Yes. Because if you, you probably can't even throw the jokes out. If no, you, you probably can't even look at the gun out, in California. Really throw the jokes out. She is in California. But I'm, I'm in Atlanta right now. You're what? Go ahead. I'm in Atlanta right now. You're in Atlanta right now? Yeah. On so they're like gun-toting, happy Southerners. Welcome, welcome well, to know, Free Georgia America. Georgia is absolutely different than California. <laughs> happy, if definitely. still in California, I was going to have to obviously give you shit because it's California. I was right. in California the other day when I was talking to Mike. So, yeah. Right. No, I back home frequently. So, well, but, not home, but home. But, but I will say this. You know, I was in a... I remember as a young instructor... 
being in someone's class. And again, an instructor in someone's class is a what? Student. Student. Yep. I remember observing an unsafe condition and I stopped the person and I got yelled at by the instructor. Who is the instructor and I'll kick his ass? I'm not going to say it right. because I don't believe in putting salt on everybody because maybe. Oh, no, no, hurt. you should salt that mofo up because so, I'll tell you that allowing that behavior to continue is why that person will continue that behavior. And, so, it, and because he's old as hell now, you're not going to correct shit he doing. You don't correct old people. Old people can yeah, do what they want to do regardless of what you say. But you know what? You can pitch a little dirt on his grave because if somebody out there, if you saw something unsafe and you and you stopped them and but, they but got on pass, your pass, ass pass, about it. more to this. So I observed the unsafe condition. I stopped it. No matter what. I don't give a shit what he thought. I stopped it. He, yelled, you. he yelled at me for stopping the student. Kids are bombarded with so much information these days. It can be hard for them to discern the messages that are important and valuable. The What I Tell Myself book series from author Michael A. Brown is an award-winning series that has been featured on CBS, Fox, and NBC for their powerful and positive messages for kids. Based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Michael A. Brown's book, What I Tell Myself First, Children's Real-World Affirmations of Self-Esteem, is a book of real-world affirmations that highlight the various abilities and attributes of the reader, while exposing readers to realistic possibilities of rejection of difference in various forms. The author also writes books about self-protection, talent, and patience, and more. These are colorful and inspiring books that you and your children will love. They're full of easy-to-understand positive messages that are heartwarming and impactful. You can learn more about the wonderful books from author Michael A. Brown online at whatitellmyselffirst.com. That's whatitellmyselffirst.com. So again... I finished the class. I dipped. Fast forward. Punch him in the epiglottis. Fast forward. I went to another class. And because of the last berating I just got, I saw a student doing something unsafe. And I did this. And the instructor looked at me and said, Marquise, what's wrong? I said, they're laying down and they're drawing from the holster. Yeah, that's a problem. And the guy was like, Marquise, it's okay. You should have said something. And I pulled him to the side. And I told him the reason why I did what I did. So I said, who was this crusty fellow that needs to retire? I want to know. You, I, but again, I feel you on that. I'll call but him on the phone right now. I feel you on that. But I'm going to tell you like this. When it came to shit like that, that one incident, the person was stopped, but the instructor gave me the berating. Fast forward, I never went to another one of the motherfuckers' classes. But, <clears throat> but... After that second thing, me- I made that person understand where I was coming from. And he was like, I understand that. And you have to understand that a lot of instructors have egos because they believe they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, can you tell me what his name rhymes with? <laughs> I will have to go look at the certificate. Because like no, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that what like I have jumped in the square in the middle of somebody for pulling some shenanigans like that ripping a student up about calling something that's unsafe. Oh, I will, I will put a size 11 in the square in the center of your chest over and something I like that. And I don't that. care where you're at in the industry. If and you're, I, if you're perpetuating that behavior, you're not part of the industry. You're part of a problem. And I and, feel you on that, but remember you, 
You was in the Marine Corps before I was even a. a I was in my the army, man. You was in the. Army. I was in the. I wasn't in the Naval Infantry. Damn but it. I was in the army. Okay, well, you was in the army doing some shit. <laughs> is Angela? Was, a, is she a former Marine? Are you? Were you in the Marine Corps, Angela? I, they always get a kick out. I go, hey man, I wasn't Naval Infantry, bro. I was. I was a paratrooper in the army. Uh, Motherfucker. We uh, but. <laughs> I was going to go back with this quote from, uh, I, I found it. I just found it. Because, uh, it, you know, it's from, where is it at? I just saw his name, Byron Dorgan. He says, you can delegate authority, but you cannot delegate responsibility. And I have had that ingrained into me since, like, birth. Like, yeah, you can delegate your authority over something. So an armorer could delegate his authority to someone on a movie set. But you can't delegate the responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Makes sense. Right. All right, Mike. are you on mute, Mike? No, no, no. no. See, He's just over there having a seizure. Like, no, see, yeah. the way I, the, the <laughs> no, way I Mike, run the ahead. show is it, it ain't about me. It's it's about sharing. So that's why I you know take, wait my turn. Sharing Mike, is caring, Mike. That is you guys are something else. Th- look. <laughs> Let's go there, because this is the type of show where we go there, no holds barred. All right, Brian, you've yeah. been doing this since you were three, and John... Doesn't mean I was good at well, it. Hold on now, hang tight, because we're going to go there, right? Gun culture is ingrained in whiteness. I'm, I went there. I don't give a shit. You ain't got to agree. These are my comments, right? Gun culture is ingrained in white America, right? Or Southern America. Well, hold on now. Let me finish. No. No. Even Northern America. You go to Wisconsin and up in the hills. Stop. Let me finish. Context, right? I don't care location. It's ingrained in that. The majority of my students that I teach are black. Now, I've taught white folks. I've taught Hispanics. I've taught Asians both India and Chinese and Mandarin, you get it, right? Black folks, on the other hand, you got some that get it, and then you tell them about the safety violation. What the fuck is that? We can't even keep our finger off the goddamn trigger. So what I'm saying is, when you tell them everyone is a range safety officer, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and That's so when we look, hold on, here we go. Let me finish now. Context is everything. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not trying to say white folks are smarter and black folks are not. We're not having that conversation, but we're talking about guns, right? We're talking about what people understand, right? Down where you are, Brian, since three years old, it's been ingrained in you. Before you even jumped out of a C-130 or a C-17 or whatever you jumped out of, before you even jumped out of the tower, before you got to the plane, you were no, you knew about this stuff. Take, for instance, Samuel L. Jackson, black folks. Here's this, more context. Black folks in the South versus Northerners. There's a difference. So when we say these absolutes, this is why I have a problem with certain rules like the NRA that puts always in front of it, always in front of it, always in front. There are contextual situations such as a movie set where if the armorer would have done their job 
Alec would have gotten a clean gun because he pointed his firearm in a safe direction when he was supposed to rehearsing it because whether the camera is rolling or not, he's rehearsing in the mindset of an actor, not a producer. He put his finger on the trigger and pressed it when he was supposed to because he, he was given a gun by someone whom he hired, who he trusted erroneously albeit and if you look at the context of us in this as instructors regardless of what we tell our students about believing that you are a raised safety officer if one of them sees something and don't say shit and things get fucked up they're not gonna sue that student they're gonna sue us because even though they might have last handled the gun who has the responsibility from the beginning to make sure everything is working the right way that is the instructor and Were the the officer has life? to be separate from that instructor because the instructor is not supposed to observe everything. You need an extra set of eyes depending upon how many people you got. I yield. So, Minister. <laughs> Minister Brown? Yep. It's, it's Preacher Mike. Preacher Mike. I will put it but, to you this way. Mm-hmm. Always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. Was the gun pointed in a safe direction? Yes, at the movie. Yes. Uh, within the context Someone got of the killed. Movie set. How was that a safe direction? Because it's a movie set. Regardless. But it shouldn't have been loaded. But there is no It shouldn't have been loaded. Whose responsibility of it is it ultimately to make sure that gun's not loaded? The armorer. The armorer. No, the individual holding the gun. In a context Always. outside of context. a movie set, yes. What if our what if what uh, is, okay? What if Rambo was like Rambo? Here hey, we go. We got let, Rambo with the M60 now. You know let, what the M60 okay. is, Brian. Let's let's change it up. Rambo, what was his what was his signature weapon? The M60. No, a knife, right? Oh man, right, a knife. All right, okay. So if I'm the prop director and I hand him a live blade and he shoves it through someone's neck. Well, Who is ultimately responsible to make sure that that was not a live weapon? The person who was gave it, it to Rambo. Or was it the guy to go, oh, shit, that's a real knife. No, we don't use that for this. Um, you can abdicate director. authority. You can't abdicate responsibility. But you're talking apples versus oranges, a knife versus a firearm, which requires same close thing. contact. That's not the same thing. When you're exactly talking about, the same thing. Okay, let's take off the knife. Let's go to the M60. Uh, you gave me the right one? All right. Oh, 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 wait, lights, camera? Hold on for a minute. You just open up the feed tray and then make sure these are live rounds and not black. Put it back in. You have never seen Sylvester Stallone do that. Stop that. Don't do that. Don't do that because then you're trying to abdicate. You're trying to uh, take the responsibility away from the armorer. Angela, we had this conversation yesterday (laughs) and you even said it. I would not trust an actor or an actress to know anything about guns. The liability resides within you. Yes, that's why I'm there. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Yeah. Like Matter of fact, I hate to like someone mentioned Tackleberry, right? There is a scene on Police Academy that most people don't realize yes. how gangster Tackleberry really was. Remember, they was going through the combat town, and the chubby dude shot the girl, shot the the the, the innocent victim. Yeah, and he turned around with the shotgun, 
and everyone else ducked, and Tackleberry was like, and never moved. Because the reason why Tackleberry never moved is because dude never said right after his second after his first shot. So again, ingrained and knowledge and context changes all things. So I feel like this when it comes to the person on the set, when it comes to weapons, the armor is the smartest person on the set. We've already disputed that they're this. They're not. No, 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 We've no. We've already proven that over and I'm, over again. I'm not yeah, no. We in reality. Yes, we proved that they're not always the smartest, but essentially they still hold all the responsibility of yes. being the smartest and the, all the liability of yes. being the smartest. Liability exactly. and responsibility are different. So let me ask you this. Sure. If I hand you the keys to my car and you drive out of the parking lot and you kill someone with that car. Now, I'm the owner. Your fault. Your fault. Your I'm fault. The Your fault. Your fault. Now, Your fault. you're a... Your you're fault. A, well, no. licensed driver. Your fault. Whose fault Your is fault. it? Your, well, hold on. You added the caveat, no context. You added the context that I'm a licensed driver. That was not your original question. You let's asked say, me. Let's say you loan you, your car to your girlfriend to go, I don't know, go to the store and get a six pack and she runs somebody over. Are you guilty of manslaughter well, or is she? On. Within the context of that, I know she's already licensed. We've been on several trips before, so I can establish, and I've got plenty okay. of videos in the car with us driving. I can not establish sure I want to see your that car she videos. has driven across country and has not killed someone. Therefore, because she is a licensed driver, the liability rests on her. Now, insurance, they're going to try to sue me right. but in terms of the actions that took place in the car. Those actions are hers and hers alone. So in terms of the actions of someone handling a firearm, who's ultimately responsible for that? Get Jacob right hold on. there. You said, hold on. Now you said, I got Jacob. Hold on. You said in terms of actors, but is there a requirement? You said driver. So here we go. Within the state of anywhere in the United States, in terms of operating upon a actual highway, I don't know about country and off-road, whatever the case may be, but it is required that you go through a course of instruction and prove yourself to the government entity before you obtain that driver's license, before you operate that vehicle. But within the context of a movie set, is it required that they actually go through a course which segues to Jacob's statement. Maybe if all actors who handle firearms were required to take a firearm safety class first, this wouldn't be a problem. And Jacob, I would disagree because there are plenty of people who take classes and still have negligent incidences. So a class ipso facto does not ensure that you would be are uh, free of negligence because these are perishable skills. The discipline resides within you. That's just like saying, oh, my God, I finally lost weight. I'll never be fat again. That's a so, fucking lie. Because as soon as I stop going to the gym and sit here and make Dunkin' Donuts my Lord and Savior, I'm going to fucking get fat. So ultimately what you're saying is what you've just said is completely in line with my argument. No, it's not. Not on a movie set. Not a movie Context. set. Movie Context. Hey, hey, guess what? 
my point is this. You're saying, well, if they took it, the, 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 the responsibility and they would have these perishable skills. So who are you placing the responsibility on? The armorer. The person taking it, right? The armorer. That's what you just said. But here we the go. The armorer. There is no requirement. Now, here we go. Let's provide more context. My favorite movie, I told you, Angela. Here we go. Tears of the Sun, right? Not even Ooh. just Tears of the Sun, right? But there you know are that's not a documentary, right? But I'm going to go with the Tears of the Sun, right? It depends on how much time that actor is going to have gunplay on screen and what role they are trying to portray where they would have to go through a weapons and tactics familiarization course. All those guys went to Coronado and had Navy SEALs train them in tactics, bounding over watch the different weapons that the SEALs use to give it a level of authenticity because of the director, Antoine Fuqua. Who's a got great a question director. for you, Michael. I got a really good question for you. How many hours of training do you not have to have before you abdicate responsibility? How many hours of training do you have to have before you take on responsibility? That's a great question. The answer is context. I, I don't see any context. I don't see any certification that abdicates responsibility see, at all. Here, here's, here's, here's the issue, Brian. And, mm -hmm. I, and I, I love it that you're here. Here is the issue. Before in a previous show, you said you don't deal with hypotheticals, but guess who deals with hypotheticals? The triers of fact. Judges, I don't say juries, that's the public, and then the law. The law deals with hypotheticals. Those who go beyond the curriculum, who immerse themselves in case law, understand that state Supreme Courts, appellate courts, and lawyers deal in the gray. They deal with the hypotheticals. Context matters. And I guarantee you, Alec Baldwin, if he is charged, he can afford an OJ style lawyer who will find the context. And it ain't got shit to do with his anti-gun position. It has everything to do with the context of the movie set. The Does that mean he abdicates responsibility from ultimately taking someone's life? He Well, no. Civil liability. There it is. Civil, hold on. Even, but you're talking about responsibility. That's a broad term. Our, right now, we're talking about criminal. We haven't dived into civil liability, where in civil liability, he absolutely has responsibility under the doctrine of respondeat superior, which is Latin for let the master answer for the actions of the subordinate. The subordinate is the armorer. The master is the producer. So civilly, he is liable. But criminally, he bears no liability because he delegated that responsibility to someone who stated she was an armorer. Now, civilly, he should so have checked So you can delegate authority, not responsibility. But you can have a responsibility and not be able to respond. I'm going to go there. If a dick don't get hard, you can't fuck. I'm just saying. Oh, I beg to differ. Hold on. Let no, me you're 42 can't. now. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Angela. Keep going. Saying. <laughs> I, I yield. Go ahead, guys. I'm controversial. Let me, I'm just, shit. Let, me, let me just take this pencil on it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> take, let, me, let me take this controller. Right. Yeah, girl. You can get all this. Hold right. on. <laughs> get all this right here, girl. This moment has been brought to you. Show it up, man. What are you having? 
I'm just saying. Oh, the tape got wet. Hold up. The tape got wet. We got to put that back on. Right. My point <laughs> My point is just this. You can you can blame whoever, but ultimately, who's responsible for the gun that was in his hand? The armorer. Him. No. Armor. Armorer. Hold on. Well, here we go. Then, Let me do in that case, then I could go to the police department and go, uh, here's my pistol armor. Um, what context? Are you just going to walk into a police station, pull out your pistol, and give it to them? Well, that uh, ultimately what you're saying when you say that he's abdicating responsibility is, well, all I got to do is go to a movie set and grab a gun from an armor, and if I kill somebody with it, I have no responsibility for that. No. I don't feel that way at all. Who is the person going to this erroneous... Who is this person just going to this random movie set with Mr. Marcus on scene and then you find out you're in the wrong room? You should be going next door where Sylvester Stallone is. And I'm just saying... just, just So let's let's look at the law. Go ahead. It, it's it's causing the... Go ahead. There's, what? There's, I mean, all the legal documents that are already covered as far as mm-hmm. movie going... TV production, whatever it is, you are you are under a contract, mm-hmm. and there is still that hierarchy, and that is the armorer's job. Because when I'm putting that firearm in this person's hand, they might not know shit from Shinola, or they might be like Will Smith and might actually know how to manipulate a firearm and check it. But that would be but, extra. Yes, and that would be fantastic. So what degree of negligence do you possess for handing someone that has no idea how to operate a firearm a firearm? High degree, armorer. A high degree because under the contractual agreement, you're taking full responsibility for the actions of every one of those pieces of equipment that you're responsible for. Yes. And then there are people, you know, you have to be bonded and you have to be licensed. And there's all these things that go on with productions like stunt coordinators have to be bonded. And if if it's a certain... Um, budget, I can't be the stunt coordinator by myself. I have to have two, maybe three people total. If it's like a $50 million film, I cannot come as a stunt coordinator. Right. Well, think about, and think about it this way. We're all instructors. What is almost, I will say this, but I say it loosely. What is every instructor required to have to go use someone else's range? Shit, life insurance. insurance. Oh my god. Insurance. Hell yeah. So if someone gets shot at Eagle and they're your student and they get shot because someone to the left or right of them accidentally shot them, who's who's liable? Civilly, oh, yeah, Civilly you are. The instructor. Civilly Criminally, you are, but they're still gonna try to sue everyone. Right, but, but criminally, who, who's liable? Who's ultimately occurs. responsible? It depends on the context of what occurred. Whoever's holding that gun. No, because no, whoever's driving specific, that car. No, I was because specific. I was specific. I said a person to the left or right shot my student while they were with me at the range. Yeah, you're civilly liable for that, but criminally liable? Whoever the person to the left or right that shot him is ultimately responsible for that. It depends they may not have intended to, but if they caused harm or death, they're ultimately responsible for that. It depends on the context. What? No hold context on, here we go. In- context. What kind of range are we on? Because Brian and John, you all are in open ranges, in essence, where you've got no dividers uh, in, in the different stalls. 
where Marquise and I go to, you know, at times, there is a divider, a ballistic divider. So for that person to then go around the ballistic divider to then shoot, yes, they're going to be criminally responsible because they took steps to carry it out knowing they had to do that. You're in a seat. Context matters. If if I'm on an open bay, which John shot with me on an open bay, uh, and somebody on the right side of the range shoots somebody on the right side of the range next to him, I may be civilly liable. I may I may have to defend my civil position about all the safety that I implemented, et cetera. But the ultimate responsibility of who fired the shot comes from whoever fired the shot. The uh, it, and that's, uh, you know, I, I can kind of understand the point of the context of a movie set, but you cannot just assume or place that there is there is no responsibility on the person who is handling a firearm for them to handle it safely. We didn't say it is ultimately well, that's no responsibility. That's but see, that's where we actually as instructors and just as for, you know, what I mean, as let's be honest, gun people, gun guys. We we tend to hold everyone to a higher standard. That's the law. Well, no, and the, but see, I get, no, I get not as far as the law goes. Just, hey. As far as Alec, you know what I mean? Like, I even said it a couple of times where Alec should have checked to make sure that the firearm was unloaded. You how, know what I mean? though, if he didn't know how but to operate it? I know, and I get and so this is where I was getting ready to go to. You know what I mean? Obviously, we know Alec is an anti-gun nut. You know what I mean? Yes, he's handled a couple of guns in a couple other movies, but by no means does that make him a gun guy. You know what right. I mean? The other guns he handled, for the most part, was a long gun and a freaking 1911. So, which is n- n- completely different than a wheel gun. Right. Okay? Let's be honest. It's completely so different than see. a single action wheel gun. Oh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I mean, yes, get, then you get into that context. So, and, yes, yeah. and, and as an instructor, do I think, you know what I mean? Yes, actors should be, you know what I mean, following the normal safety rules. And even though you hired someone, you know what I mean? To do the job, there is a safety aspect of yes. Go Thank through you, and Anthony. check your shit. Oh, Jesus go Christ. through and check your shit and make sure that you know what I mean everyone's safety is paramount. But we don't live in that day and age. We live in a day and age where actors are higher than mighty, and the world needs to kiss the ground that they walk on, and that when they sign a contract with someone to make sure that their firearms <sighs> are completely unloaded, that all the responsibility falls on that arm. But you know, right? One thing that I mean, let's say. I was going to say, let's take it a step further. Let's not pretend we don't live in a world where the word affluenza exists, where a person's lack of knowing something or being too sheltered because they're too rich, they can be be removed from a situation. Let's not pretend there was a 16-year-old boy who was drunk and high, killed three to four people on the highway and got off because they said he lived a sheltered, rich life without consequence. That doesn't make it right. Now you're going but to morality. Now you're going to morality. And so that's mm-hmm. a different type and of And if I'm right or wrong, it's about the law. You just said it was the law. And then let's go so far as this. Those of us who have been in law enforcement, right? How many times do we sit here and want to arrest this person, but politics gets in the way? There is your job. Zero times. What you might, where you are, where you are, okay. That's fine. Where you are, okay, right? Same thing where Angela is. You all are in Republican states where they support that. Context matters. 
we in Chicago, shit. You know how many arrests I've had to overturn or arrests I've made and got to court and had to drop because of politics? Chicago cops are dealing with the stuff where they don't even have the freedom of choice to the acts they and reporting and other kind of... I'm just... Watch it, Marquise. I see your eyes. It was there. Like, you crossing the line. I got it. Let me ch shut up for this whole thing. Get, right. get shut down. No, no Charlie Oscar, Victor, that's, India Delta. That's it. You see what I'm saying? So but, what I'm saying is this. You know, you're... Just, you're just call it the Heineken AIDS. Okay, fair enough. Get it? You got Get it. it. Oh, Lord. You, <laughs> you all are expecting, you all are placing a higher standard on an industry that does not regulate a higher standard. You're placing reality on make-believe. You got actors who portray characters. They're not even in real life. <laughs> What's the purpose of having the, what's that, the Industrial Light and Magic Company, which is, in my, to my recollection, the highest company that's responsible for a lot of CGI and wonderful effects and things that make you, holy God, that really happened? No, the fuck it didn't. And these people who are portraying these things, they don't have to know anything about, oh my God, well, this is a green screen. And what we're going to do is when you go behind, we're going to go ahead and press control, alt, delete. And we're going to go ahead and do this and do that. That's not their job. Their job is just to act the fucking role. And if I'm supposed to point that gun at the camera just like this and press that damn trigger and you're the cinematographer and you're supposed to film it, well, shit, I'm going to have to point a gun at you and it's not my job to make sure it's clear it's the armor's job to make sure it's clear because i don't like guns but when i'm on that camera <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit I, I i got a question go ahead so having worked for an agency that's had a uh had an officer who was killed blank uh, in a model 65 revolver in a scenario based training they got into an entanglement and pow right uh, this has been 40 plus years ago but his plaque is still in the uh, training facility um, which is why we don't use blanks in training anymore how prevalent Angela because you've, you've you're a subject matter expert on this how prevalent is the use of blank fire in movie sets um as opposed is, to the new cgi stuff right well I, I i touched on this um for briefly with with mike the other day um what i personally have run into is that a lot of directors or producers want the real look um because when you have and it's super cringe, and I get it, is when you have an actor and they have to pretend to have the recoil, and it's awful. It's typically awful, and I understand that. Um, but that's what I like, at least airsoft, because you have kind of a, like a feel right. for it. Um, but a lot of people do like to have the blanks because it gives the muzzle flash, and then you have the recoil a little bit, and it's like so with that, which right. is kind of, I was leading you to that with that, are there additional safety protocols for blanks versus 
Well, I've never brought blanks to any sets. I got you. Um, so for me, if I personally was an armorer and they had blanks, I would probably either not come on or I would just insist that we, we swap them out. I just personally, I've only worked with blanks when they've been capped. Gotcha. Um, and that's the only way I will work with blanks, personally. Yeah. Um, the only way to have a live firearm on set, unless they're dummy rounds, even sim munitions, like sim rounds still suck. Like, you can't just shoot yeah. people with them that well, aren't. You can, you just shouldn't. Right, right. <laughs> you can, yes, but they still, they suck really bad, like super bad. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to put an actor there to get shot by a sim round because actors, like, yeah, just no, not not good. Oh. Um, but I was just showing some of my sim scars. Yay, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, to my knowledge, most of the time now, it is a prop. What I would call a prop, which is an airsoft rifle, something um, inert. Yeah, right. and I believe they actually have airsoft rifles now, or even I don't know, maybe paintball to that extent that. They don't have a muzzle flash, no, but they can actually eject uh, a casing. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I know some people specifically look for that, and it's just it comes down to the director and the producer and what they want to see and how real they want, and that's a whole offshoot of, of another rabbit hole where maybe they should have a little bit more information as well because you, you get super real, then you get super real effects. Like, uh, I don't know, so I'm getting shot. Yeah, like for example, real or fake? Yes. Don't show it. <laughs> exactly. Hold on, put it okay. down because YouTube- No, I'm saying real or fake? Hey, I don't know, but it looks real. I mean, I know, it's, I know, I'm just saying. It's, there you go, good deal. I'm like, fake. I couldn't even see it. I'm glad you did that quickly because YouTube, oh, yeah. YouTube will definitely yeah. kill the feed. And that and was I'm, all it was. Yeah, and I have those. I have several of those, and they have the little orange tip. All you can, all you have to do is pop it off. But yep, let me. And it looks great. Let me show you this to directly contradict the comment that you guys see on on scene, on, not on scene on the screen. Even on the set, they don't directly aim at other people. Oh, this is one of my favorite shows. And I got to show you because it's going to be funny. Here we go. SNL. Now, hold on. This ain't Hollywood. Let's watch. What do you see them doing? Where's the hard drive, Hanson? When I get oh, the little mic to your hard drive. That doesn't work for me. I'm right here. I want both. Got somewhere you need to be? Yeah. Gotta pick up my kid from dance class. I'm afraid I can't let you do that. Yeah, well, try and stop me. Keys are in my pocket. 
sweetheart. Around kids. Oh. Good night, Mush. Turn the page, baby. Good night, old lady. Whispering hush. I am thankful for my family. Yeah, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, guys. Yeah. Really? 20, 34th, 5th. We just passed it. A few blocks back that way. Thanks. Look at those single action 1911. Fingers on the tree. That was Adam Levine. That was Adam Levine, I think right? so. Yeah. Yeah. Any last words? Yeah. These have been the greatest two days of my life. Two days? You could keep the hard drive and the money. I don't want it. What you guys have given me is more valuable than anything. Right, the locations are coming out. And the, and the slides are coming back, and they got way more rounds than necessary. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. All right, let's challenge your gun knowledge. There were eight guns in that. So there's only four models of gun in that. Can anybody name all four? And one of them is deceptive. Yeah, you're talking about, you said the models, the makes and models? Mm-hmm. In my defense, I was typing to someone on Facebook. So oh, yeah, okay, it. sure. They only showed him like 10 times, so right. it's whatever. It's whatever. No, you, you go look. Smith & Wesson, uh, Model 66. I'm talking about the revolvers. Really, I really don't care. They're, I was actually just the cheating cameras. Fair yeah. enough. So, you ready? Here's Here's how, like, circus trick I get. There were two SIG P229s. There were two Taurus PT92s. You know how I know there were PT92s? Frame-mounted safeties. The guy carrying the nickel looked like Beretta 92s. Those were Taurus PT92s. Two Ruger GP100s that you thought were model 66. Smith & Wessons. Yeah, model 66s. Those were GP100s. You could see by the cylinder latch release on the left side. Okay. And then two 1911s. We all saw the 1911s, right? right? Oh, uh, but you, what's the make of the 1911, though? It... No, no, you have to make no, it pretty no. inconsequential. But if you really want to wax intellectual about it, those appeared by the roll markings to be Remingtons. I couldn't read it, but I could. But just based on the size and the location of the roll marks, I'd say they were Remingtons in, or mock-ups thereof. In fairness, you have been in a gun shop since three. No, I was in a gun shop from seven to nine. I was getting my the rest of this is just my mom and nine. So there's a the rest of this just has been a lifelong study, which is why in our last podcast, I said, 
if you really want to be a good instructor, you need to take a master's degree deep dive into the gun, right? Like all the guns, like everything you're going to teach, like with handguns. My girlfriend constantly says, man, that's like a circus trick. We can watch a movie and you can be like, oh, look, it's a SIG 228. You see how the slides beveled like this? But when the mag came out, it was a nine millimeter stack and not a 40 stack because it was a 40 stack. It's a 229. That kind of stuff. If when you get to that level of understanding and you really dive in deep, there's not a person that's going to show up to one of your classes that you're going to feel intellectually challenged by what they're shooting and how to operate it. I like being intellectually challenged. That just means we both learn together. But you're right, though, Brian. You're right. I'm just trying to figure out when Trump is going to go on SNL to be Alec Baldwin pretending that he's the actor from Rust. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. (laughs) That's what I want to see. That would be amazing. I just got a meme from one of my friends with Alec Baldwin with a teardrop. Yes, I I saw that one. Yeah, Yeah, I got that one. Yeah. I'm just ready for these guys to come back for season 10. What the hell? Letter Kenny. Oh yeah, I've never seen. That. Oh, oh, it's that's Canadian television. It's such a once you touch one episode, it's over. Okay, it's, yeah, it's they, I got to run subtitles though. They talk too fast. Right. <laughs> well, this was I great. A lot of stuff that I've even been in. I have like just. This was still a great conversation. It definitely uh, went there. I would have to say that for the most part, I think we agreed to disagree. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how this case comes out because I see Alec Baldwin if he gets charged. I see he him, won't. I see. Well, that, I know he won't. But if he got charged, I would see him being acquitted. Yeah, I just civilly, perhaps. No, civilly. No, probably civilly, not. Yeah, yeah civilly, they're done. Yeah, but the, I think of it like I, I have a friend of a that works in that area that knows the, uh, some of the hierarchy of the prosecutor's office out there. Yeah. And he's like, they're all very far left, which I care less about your political beliefs, whatever. But, uh, they're like, yeah, this has kind of gotten, you know, kind of gotten dumped in their lap in a, in what could be considered the ultimate, like two a challenge, right? Like, Oh, well, Here's a guy that was had a gun, so I know what you're talking about, Anthony. So, so it, it's, but I don't think he'll be charged. I mean, and if he did, they would they would give him some, you know, nickel plea bargain and send him on his way. Yeah, but I I, I don't see. That. Go to high schools and tell them guns bad, actors good, whatever. But Anthony, yeah. I I think that there was a discussion that was going on. But go ahead, Marquise, go ahead. No, and the thing is, if you look at what happened with Alec Baldwin and how it's being portrayed right now, they're not putting anything on him. Mm-mm. Well, which is kind of we didn't. Let, I mean, we didn't let that video play out because if it's we had, the twenty minute one, yeah, we if we had let oh, that thank video, God. no, that's okay. If we because I listened to it like five times, if we had let the video play out, they're not taking anybody off the table yet. But they're definitely not putting him on. They're definitely not putting him on. Uh, They're definitely not putting him on the table, though. So my thing is this. In reality, it's going to be one of those things where 
usually ignorance does not equal being excused from the law, from knowing the law. And one of the reporters asked the question that negligence doesn't ultimately rise, rise to the level of criminal negligence. Exactly. So when you look at negligence on our standpoint, you know, a lot of us firearm instructors don't believe in accidents. No, I know I don't believe in accidents. Right. I when I see the word accident come across the slide, I uh, immediately nah no there I don't believe was, in accidents. There was a video, and I know there have been other incidents, but there was a video where a firearms instructor. Uh, the, the the guy he was teaching had his firearm pointed in a safe direction and his finger off the trigger and the gun cooked and discharged the round and ejected the casing and and they, they reviewed the video. He did not have his finger on the trigger. What killed him? No, no, nobody got no, killed there was, on the range. It was a USPSA match, yes. and that guy had a had a competition set up pistol, so I'm sure he was setting right. on about ten thousand hammer hooks. And when he let the slide go, the the gun uh, hammer yeah, followed. Shark, the right? Yeah, it did. So he, so he had a um, what is it called? Oh, what is it called? Slam fire, fire, slam fire. Yeah. So he had a slam fire, right? Yeah, so I've had that happen. It, it's yeah. it's it's really common with 1911s, uh, especially so, ones that people have been into that probably shouldn't have been 1911s. into. That's yeah, happens so with CZs. I, I, I'm going to chime in on this one. Glock. I'm going to chime in on this one as far as accidents go. So I actually had a Taurus um, a G2C. It was, <laughs> it was about yeah. two years ago. On purpose? Uh, um, yeah. Did you shake no, it real hard me. and it went pow? Not me, not me. Um, at the gun shop. So gentleman came in and bought a Taurus G2C. Brand new, out the box. And he comes back the next day after he picks it up. All right, so he waits, obviously, time frame, picks it up. Comes back the next day and was like, dude, there's something wrong with my gun. I'm like, what do you mean there's something wrong with your gun? He's like, I took it to the range, loaded it up. I pulled the trigger. It went full auto. I'm like, what? So I was like, all right, well, let's check it in. So I'm the gunsmith at the shop, you know what I mean? So I take it, and now I take it to the range. And lo and behold, loaded 12 rounds, pull the trigger, 12 runs kind of come out with one trigger pull. Essentially, that's an accident. No. That is an accident. No, for the customer, that's a malfunction. For the customer, that for the customer, that's an accident. That's a malfunction. A malfunctioning gun is not an accident. That's a malfunction. Well, if he accidentally shot somebody with it, it is. <laughs> but it still would have been a malfunctioning gun. It still would have been a malfunctioning gun. But the overall incident would be an accident. It, See, it was, the accident would have been caused by the malfunction of a gun. So this is what I'm going to say. But if you're he had always followed the safety rules, it should have been you're, you're, innocuous. But this Absolutely. is what I'm saying. You're going back to a hypothetical. I'm specifically saying this. There's no such thing as firearm accidents. Your example was not an accident. It was a malfunction, which did not cause mm -hmm. an incident, which would have been well, considered an accident. So actually, I'm still to what, I'll say so, technically he did get a cut. But that's because he wasn't prepared for a gun to go full auto. So 
what I'm going to say is this. I'm going to still stick to my guns until I see otherwise. I don't believe in firearm accidents. I believe in negligence. A gun going full auto when it's not supposed to, malfunction. You pull the trigger, the gun goes click, you tap and rack, stoppage. You have finger on trigger and you go negligence because you have to be not, in my opinion, you have to be not following a safety rule to cause a negligent discharge. Not necessarily. I'm listening. So uh, you remember when that popular SIG pistol that everybody's carrying came out? 320, yeah. Malfunction. And, uh, malfunction. Yeah, some people took rounds in the legs from a malfunction, so that would be an accident, correct? So I'm going to go look that up because I've never heard of anyone getting hit oh, yeah. by the P320. Oh, yeah. there's like three or four of them that. out there at yeah. least. Uh-huh. Um, which... Outdated versions, etc. but oh, uh, must have all malfunctioned. See what I mean? It's not the same. It's a gun malfunction, not an accident. If the gun malfunctions and you get hurt, I'm not going to call that company and say, hey, your gun accidentally shot me. Fuck your face. I'm suing you (laughs) for negligence on preparing this firearm. I want this whole face. But when you read about it, it's going to be there was an accidental shooting because nobody intentionally fired the gun. And you tell me one person who was shot by that CP320 who didn't get paid for an accident. Oh, I'm not saying they didn't. Exactly. If I get hit by a gun that malfunctions, I'm getting paid because your gun malfunctioned. Yeah, but the shooting was accidental, was it not? Shit. So, so (laughs) Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore, too. That's a funny name on YouTube. Very. He said before, I hope it's a he or she, I don't know, uh, said before he handed a revolver uh, that he had declared code to Alec Baldwin on the set, on the set of the film, Rust, Dave Halls, an executive director, told a detective he should have inspected each round in each chamber according to the affidavit but he did not an original tweet read read so you right, got- now that was going to be another question i was going to actually ask angela so the term hot and cold how that reporter okay, and, she, the I'm cuts and, and i'm uh, out of cold bourbon so i'm gonna be right back okay you know what i mean how they defined hot and cold is that actually correct not on any sets i've been working on as far as firearms no Okay, so obviously there's context there, you know what I mean, where they could change up the terminology based on what they want to do on that set. Um, I guess I've I've never heard anybody that's been in any of my circles even say it the way she explained it. I was actually super confused at what she was even saying. I so essentially she was saying a cold gun. Is a gun that hasn't been checked in a while. Hasn't been tested. Hasn't been, uh, hasn't been tested. Gun. Fired. Yeah, hasn't been tested. tested. I mean, check tested. I mean, we can go in any way, shape, or form as far as that. That's semantics. Because if you're checking a gun, you take it to a range and shoot it. Well, either way, you're still checking the gun. You know what I mean? That's semantics at that point. 
Robert, I'm just going by the video. But so a hot gun is something that has been checked, been to the range, whatever the case may be, and is deemed for whatever reason as being acceptable. Which again doesn't make sense to me because what defines acceptable? Because if I take it to a live range and I'm shooting at targets with live rounds, because we know that there's live rounds on the set, and now all of a sudden I say that there's blanks in it, how do I know, you know what I mean, the shit's safe? Exactly. That's why when she started talking about that, I was with her up until that point because everything she said was spot on for my experience um, until she got the hot and cold. And then I was just like, what? Um, The one thing she did say that was true is that it depends on set to set. Right. Which would confirm what you're saying. Yes. Um, Yeah, I've, I've never heard the term hot and cold used in that context. No, no. No. Um, so for me, if, if, if I'm using, let's say I am out of my mind and I'm using a live firearm on set and it's loaded with dummy rounds. Sure. Um, if it's loaded and it's good to go with the dummy round, perhaps I guess you could say maybe it's hot and ready to go. Um, but I believe what, at least what I've even read as far as this has gone. And again, this is hearsay, but for them on this set cold means it's not live, live ammunition. So it's not, it's not going to kill anybody. Um, (laughs) or it's just casings because I believe I don't, I don't remember exactly what I read, but it was like he had spun his, the drum you said earlier, right, drum? Cylinder. It's the cylinder, but they said drum. And it was, he only saw like casings or something like that, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, but yeah, to me, if it's cold, then it's completely empty and it's safe 100%, no matter what. If it's hot, it has what is not ever going to be live ammunition, should never, ever be live ammunition on set. Um, And I've loaded it with whatever uh, dummy or, um, sure, you're blank. And now it's hot. It's hot and ready to go. You're set up to draw and swinging around your head, whatever you're supposed to do for your, for your take. Um, if this was him practicing, then yes, it should have been cold completely in my opinion. Um, so there should have been nothing There should have been, it should have been completely clear because as you were saying, Mike, the other day, no matter how many times you're on the line and you're like, don't put your finger in the trigger. Well, when you pick up the gun, They'll still do it, um, especially if they're not if they're not used to used to firearms. So, if I'm showing him how to draw and how to maneuver with this firearm, it's never going to have anything in it until we're ready to shoot. So I don't I don't know if they were actually doing a take or if they're practicing. Um, they could be doing a complete dress rehearsal. Um, and we'll 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 do stunts and we'll do them completely. And then sometimes they will film 
the rehearsal just in case it looks really good and then they'll use it but most times it's let's rehearse this one or two times depending on what you're supposed to do we've got those stunts 20 times we'll rehearse this and then we'll go and you'll do take after take um but yeah, if it's if it was rehearsal, because I've seen now both. One one said rehearsal, one said they were shooting. I don't know. But if it was indeed a rehearsal and he's learning how because he couldn't figure out how to use the revolver, it should have been completely cold. Yes, empty. Nothing. So that's my take on cold and hot. And a few others' takes, but not hers, apparently. I don't... Hers didn't make any sense because if I'm running... If it's a semi-auto, if it's a Glock and I'm running like ammo through it to test it or to do whatever, I don't, <laughs> I don't like that either because then I don't like, I need it to be completely clean. I need it to be a hundred percent when I'm handing it to this person with something else that's going in it. I don't want to have any kinds of buildup anywhere. I don't want anything. Right. So I don't know what she was talking about, um, but that's me dotting my eyes and crossing my T's because, again, the liability is so heavy and so huge and people's yeah. lives are big. So that's my take on hot and cold. And hers was, I guess, cool, too. I don't I don't know hers so much. Yeah. So would it be fair to say to be fair, would it be <laughs> fair to say that? <laughs> What we understand as cold versus hot, it could be said that Alec Baldwin understood the same thing, such as cold being nothing's in there and hot being something's in there. And he acted on the faith and trust that he had in his armorer when he pointed that firearm in a direction he was supposed to point and he pressed it when he was supposed to press it because he was rehearsing within the context of a movie set. I would say that depends. That depends because did she hold a safety brief prior to this or that day saying that based off of these terms, this is what these terms mean. You mean after she spun the drum? Yes, after she spun the drum. I think it was the AD who spun the drum. The I spun all them live rounds are all around. Spun them around. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Those, you know what I mean? There is context in it based on did she even have a safety briefing? Right. You know I mean? and no one has said if she has, has it. Right. If she's super green, I don't even know if she ran a safety briefing. I don't know, but the stunt coordinator. There's another one. Would normally run the safety brief, and according and that's to fine the, too. According to the but. search warrant, a woman named Sarah Zachary, which is the first time I'm hearing that person's name, removed the guns from the safe in the truck after lunch and handed him the Gutierrez. So you've got the chain of custody allegedly from Zachary from truck from truck to Zachary from Zachary. Why don't, we should bring the truck in for questioning? I'm just right. Here's, here's my thoughts on the whole thing. If Alec Baldwin is not only the producer, maybe mm -hmm. he's directing it, and his entire budget is $6 million, of which I'm guessing he's probably taking a $4 million cut. I bet they didn't even have sandwiches on that set, let alone a 
freaking safety officer. <laughs> you got to have crack. Well, that means people so that means they, uns- they were unsafe and hungry. Probably. <laughs> And, and from some of the other stuff I read, they weren't getting paid on time either. They were getting some rubber checks probably and everything else. Too. They were probably dying of thirst because they're out in the freaking sun with no water. Oh, man, this just jumped off the track. And I'm supposedly, sorry. And again, I'm still waiting to hear it. There was two trigger pulls of that gun. Supposedly there was two trigger pulls. Jeremy, and I'm going to go back to read your uh, statement. Uh, Jeremy, I think we all agree there should have never been live rounds and a firearm on the set. I say no live. Uh oh. Sorry. Yeah. Uh oh. No, we're back. Uh, I think we all agree that there should never be any live rounds on the set. I, I agree with that. Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. My my favorite favorite movie producer director of all time. And I take very little, I like I vest very little stock in like anything movie related when it comes to gun handling tactics, marks, any of that stuff, right? But the one guy that I will say does an absolutely phenomenal over the top job is Michael Mann. And if you go back and you watch his the film Heat and you go into like the director's cut of Heat and it has all the extras. He would actually go rehearse scenes with actors live fire at like Gunsight or one of these other trainers, ITTS, Scotty, Scotty Reitz's place and all that, um, and make these actors go through these scenes with live ammunition and a coach and then use prop guns on the set. And uh, so consequently, if you watch a lot of like, not Miami Vice, but, but, you watch the gun handling and stuff in those those films; they're really good. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of my my thing on Hollywood. But Michael Mann's kind of a gun buff too, right? So, uh, but that's one of his things is like putting like immersing these actors in actual live fire training and with real professionals and shooting real bullets, and then. Taking upon the budget, um, taking a whole path to well to Terran Tactical. That's you know, but even taking a whole cast to just any arms range, whatever, um, and running them through a whole class, it depends on the budget. Right, so, right. And what I was going to say is that well, Angela hit it on the head. Everything honestly is about the budget. It's about the money. Because there's one person who, for me, I think is an amazing director, and when it comes to safety, is an amazing person. And you might even you might even know the name I'm about to say until I say it. Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. This dude hires the most professional people all the time to do everything. If you've ever seen the movie Death Proof. With the stuck cars. If you listen to his conversation he had with um, Joe Rogan on a podcast, the woman on the front of that car during that scene when she's holding on to the car, the uh, Challenger, the white, the white, uh, vac- the the white Challenger, I think. That's a real stuck woman who's playing an actress who that car did not go below 60 miles an hour. 
That car did not go below 60 miles an hour. The most it went was 90 miles an hour. And she was actually attached with a harness with a oh. metal cord. Right. Okay. And there was an actor in the back seat holding the cord while she was doing the real stunt. He didn't have an actress pretend to be a stunt woman. He hired the stunt woman who did the stunts for Kill Bill to be an actress in a movie to do that damn stunt to be like, yo, you're a stunt woman. We're going to have you in this movie as a stunt woman. And there's going to be a stunt your ass is about to do. When um, Kill Bill, uh, what's her name? Uh, come on, man. The, Uma, the, the, Kill Bill. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Every up-close scene was her. She did all the fighting. The stunt woman from the movie I just mentioned was her stunt woman. So literally, it's that budget. If you're not going to hire professionals to do professional shit that involves dangerous shit, have what you're going to have, which is, I'm taking picture and I'm shooting something. What I think could happen, what I think would be a great idea, would to make sure that every armorer is at least a firearms instructor under whichever um, umbrella you want. They they tend to like NRA. Um, so <laughs> cost me about five grand. Yeah, they like NRA. <laughs> so you know, I I do think that that would help. And then in which case, like at least. If I'm standing next to Alec, I can give him his own little mini firearms lesson. And at least I know what I'm talking about to a certain extent. Do I know that period revolver like the back of my hand? No, no, I don't. But Brian, you know, I could go you down can, and go, oh, you, let me bring you Brian. slide into my DMs. I'd be like, right. look, okay, right. so Nicole, there's a Ruger. No, maybe in New Mexico. But it's that kind of thing that I think might It'd be great for people like me and maybe you um, to have make sure that the people that are actually on there doing that kind of thing, at least at least in the bare minimum, have um, their certified or licensed firearm instructor and they have their own insurance. And then on top of that, they're going to also bond you. But you're on, like you're going to be on theirs as well. Um, but I think that would be great because then you don't necessarily have to take the whole cast to a live firing range, but at least you can walk them through the maneuvering. And I mean, as stunt performers, we do, um, like I teach stunt people how to maneuver with firearms. I prefer live because then not only, yeah, you can throw the gun and do whatever, do flips and hold on to them, whatever. But being able to, um, maneuver and then also feeling that recoil and knowing how to move because you know if you're walking straight and your 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 revolvers going up and down or your your long gun and and you're just kind of walking like normal you don't understand what it means to have to keep a straight line and roll your feet when you're moving like those little tiny things that could make a movie look so much better like, I think that would be awesome to have that on set. So, like, somebody that's the armor could have that kind of basic uh, background right. um, instead of having to take the whole set for an outing and go to 
Taryn, who's a badass and amazing. But yeah, it's maybe not in the budget. I'll even take it a step further from what you just said, Angela. Add proficiency. Hey, you want to be an armor on my on my movie? I have a proficiency test that I want to see you do. Show me how to clarify your arm. Right. Show me how to take this firearm apart. Who's going to run the proficiency test? Not the director. I guess I need to certify my own agency and say, we call this, uh, you know, whatever Hollywood uh, certification of firearm safety and just put my own stamp on it and, you know. There are there are a few there are a few of us that do it specifically for stunt people and for and specifically for movies. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like I don't know where you are, but um, Oklahoma, which is oh, uh, okay. I, which is crazy because we had a we have a huge uh, used to be a convention center like a multi use facility. It's it's massive uh, that. They used to do concerts, basketball games, hockey games, and all this. And they've kind of, they wound it, the city wound it down, built the Thunder a new facility, and they're actually turning it into a soundstage for like Lionsgate's been using it a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, production costs have gotten so high in other areas that this place has, you know, it has like a full size basketball court, hockey arena. I mean, everything there. Um, and then all these sub rooms that they're they're turning into sound stages, and uh, there's 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 just been this influx of movie production here. So I don't know how to break into that market, but uh, it's definitely on my radar. Um, I've got I've got some other local people that do a little bit of consulting work with them, but that's ultimately what inspired me to go to the NRA's basic course because I was like. And I had like a five grand contract and I'm not an NRA instructor. Thanks. Great. Yeah. So, you, you can go to the set of Rust. I hear they're looking for us. Apparently they're on the they're on the look for a yeah. oh, that's too soon. Yeah, too a little soon? too soon on that one. Yeah. Are you trying to for say the it's, right hold price, on. are you trying to say it's for rusty? the right price of seven fifty, you can be the master armor of Rust. <laughs> So are we going Is that seven dollars and fifty cents? Going down, no. going down from a thousand. Yeah. All right, y'all. That's it's been it. This is the longest show now. Oh no! This is only two and a no. half hours. No, hours. the last one I did, you guys kept me up till like eleven thirty. We are not going to do yeah, that tonight, hours. Brian. We are not going to do that tonight. All right. I appreciate it. I got to work again tomorrow. Yeah, so. I know. I got to pretend to you know, enjoy we- police work for another eighty-hour stretch. Right. So that, so, that, awesome. so that you don't get rusty. Uh-huh. Rusty, that's I was. Oh, so that's funny. terrible. That's funny. I know. No, Angela, I got one last question. Are 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 you uh, on track to do any films in Oklahoma, specifically no. Oklahoma City? No. no, there's. I mean, Atlanta's kind of where it's at right now. Atlanta, yeah. um, New Mexico, actually, I'm in Toronto, and oh, New Orleans. Like a, yeah. Um, for big spots right now in Texas. Yeah, they're, they're Oklahoma with that whole big soundstage project. They're trying to rob some of that from my. Th- the Atlanta was the big rival oh, yeah. competitors. There are like over fifty productions right now here. It's oh ridiculous. wow, yeah, it's insane in this in the state. You know, not only Atlanta, but yeah, I'm really Christy. Christy, we cannot get into Kyle at ten thirty at night. Who's, we, who's Kyle? Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse. 
Oh Lord, no, no, please God. But but you know what? We as much as I want to get into Kyle, we can't do it tonight. But I might do another live, so I could coordinate with y'all if y'all want to do it or just run it up. I don't care. But so let's say this. Let's let's try this. Let's try this. If we talk about Kyle right now, we'll base it on two subjects: the judge dismissing the fact that. They didn't want to. They wanted to use the word victim, and they can. It has to be looters or rioters. Then it has to be looters or rioters, and the fact that they want to dismiss the use of force expert, Doctor Black, because he's LEO, Doctor Black. If we if we only touch on those two things, yeah, we could be safe. Yeah, I don't really know. You know damn well the judge is awesome. Stay on just those two subjects. So why even? I agree. I agree. If we can stay on those two subjects, we can roast. It won't them. happen. No, nope. it won't happen. We got to do it another time. Yeah, who's well, Kyle? Kyle Rittenhouse. Sorry, the, the kid that shot the the uh, three people in Wisconsin. We froze, and that's why we angled it pretty good, and then he killed another guy that was trying to attack him. Yeah, he had a three-piece special. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had a three-piece with a with a wing. He got the hat trick. He got the hat trick. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, because the third one is just chicken winged. It don't yeah. matter. He still hit all three. He was uh, his wing no count, dude. Is he had some judicious marksmanship? I'll put it that way. I don't think right. he missed anything. He pulled the trigger on and trigger discipline because out of a thirty-round mag, he only shot three shots. True. Yep. That's good than the Taurus. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's Well, Angela, are you are you friends with Mike on Facebook? I'll send you my contact card that way if you end up in Oklahoma City and you, you end up in one of those uh Charlie Foxtrot situations and need a consultant. I do have insurance and uh all the instructor <laughs> licensure now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. Are we friends on Facebook, Mike? I'm not even sure. I know we're on Instagram. On Instagram and TikTok, yeah. So I can still send the information to her. Right. I was about to say, we all got insurance, and some of us got EP insurance, too. Ooh. Because <laughs> that one was fun. Oh, I mean, I I feel like I feel something. I feel a business coming on right now. We got, hell, you got all five of us together? Shit, let's do it. And I'm just like, we'll call it. You want to talk about a wrecking crew of freaking people? I know. I'm telling you. I feel like I feel like we'll, I'm I'm thinking. My hamster's running. We'll call it Never Rust. Oh, <laughs> oh God! And that's how we're Houston. gonna end it. Oh my God! That was a good one, Marquise. That was, was it there? That was, was it nice. Was actually pretty good. That was pretty good. Is it over there? That was a good one. No, that was my evil twin. I don't know who said that. Oh my god! All right, we're gonna be out of here. Uh, this is again another great show. Uh, yep, even Chrissy enjoyed it. It's gonna be another great show. We'll talk about Kyle Rittenhouse because uh, I, I sat there and actually listened through the motion hearings, and I will tell you this: it seems like they're gonna allow the use of force expert, Doctor Black. I think that the judge is going to allow him. I, I heard the motions and the way that the judge has been asking certain questions. Dr. Black is very qualified 
to analyze the actions of Kyle Rittenhouse. I'll just real quick on it. At the end of the day, it's going to – because he went to a jury trial. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, you can bring in all the experts you want, but you are trying a case in the court of public opinion. Hey, tell that to OJ's jury. Oh, I get it. I'm just saying. How many years ago was that? How many years ago Fair was enough, that? Fair enough, but there have been other social cases. Social status, social culture, Fair social enough. climate. But there have been other cases where the evidence was strong, but the jury could have been convinced. So, I, this is going to be a good one. Cash no, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Absolutely. This one and Ahmaud Aubrey's case. Cash rules. I'm not saying either way. I'm saying it's going to be a lot harder now because, like I said, last time I checked, they were sticking with a jury trial. Yeah. That instead of just by doing it by judge, you're bringing in, you know what I mean, a court of your peers. But this one is going to be this one is going to be fun to watch. And I'm going to tell you why. One, you're not dealing with a race component in Kyle Rittenhouse. Not at all. So you're not dealing with the component of... You're not, but there's still people that are making it that way. But that's going to be a hard stretch because all three of the victims were white males. Uh Uh-huh. And the alleged assailant was is a white male so I'm yes saying, but at the same time it was just so happened to make those a, people were the ones that made contact with them there were other people's of co- like color yeah not white that were chasing him and then when they seen that fucking he started shooting they backed off they backed the fuck off because right. they grew up in the hood where shots get fired you fucking duck and run I re- but I recommend true. That's true. That's so true. I'm sorry, I had to look. Or so true. Or or you know, or we shoot. I'm sorry. I got to throw a movieism out there. Go ahead. Did y'all see Lethal Weapon, the last one with Chris Rock? Yeah, four. Yeah. Where he talks about the floor. Yeah. Yep. He learned to walk until he was like 15. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All I thought about was that floor. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but oh my goodness! When you look at that. That's going to be totally different from the Ahmaud Aubrey case where you have race as a component. And both of these cases are running neck and neck in terms oh. of... Yeah. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's case starts on November 1st. Ahmaud Aubrey's, I believe, is one week later. So, yeah. This is going to be interesting to watch. Oh, here we go again. Me and my internet. <laughs> If what he's saying is correct, that they're going to run almost parallel, yeah. this is going to be similar to what happened with um, George Zimmerman and the lady from Florida who uh, shot warning shots at her husband. Yeah, Marissa Alexander. Yep, because what happened was the Zimmerman started first, then her case came out at the same time, and it became a, well... <laughs> How come? <laughs> no, we not. No, you're right. Just stop. stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to stop it. All right, y'all. We're out of here. <laughs> Efunctory. Like, well, looks like we're talking Rittenhouse. And he's here for the conversation, too. All right. All right. Rittenhouse next time. Ahmaud Aubrey, too. Because um, those are interesting cases to talk about as it relates to self-defense.
I'm for free, my boy Cal. I'm sorry, I'm giving shit. <laughs> Cal, we got a free Cal. Cal's got to be Yo, free. Free Cal. Free Cal. Fact, yeah. Hey, we got we got to start doing catfish plates to go ahead and uh, start getting his defense together. Oh, we got to start selling some butter cookies and some ice cream and chill. Dude, his defense has already been paid for, bro. No, 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 no. We got to add more to it because cash rules everything, bro. So hey, we got the catfish dinners out there. We gotta get the two wing specials, some ice cream, some butter cookies. Uh, what else we gotta get, man? We gotta get Kyle up out there, so we gotta get him all the food to start selling these plates, so he can get this I free say, one. You better break out some sharks. Some sh- <laughs> lemonpepper.com. Bruh. Look, we gotta end this shit. Oh, lemon pepper, the lemon pepper, baby. All right, y'all. Look, come we back. We put sauce. Come back next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Here go Jacob pop back in. Go to bed, goddammit. All right. <laughs> we are out of here. Uh come back next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Bring you something to eat. Good conversation. Angela, you always invited to come back. We always had these great conversations and just we just spent off and just have fun and shit. So uh I don't know if anybody trying to plug no business tonight. We've been letting that ticker go across the screen. That's good enough. If y'all hey, got the fucking number, watch I the do shit. firearms movie consulting now, apparently. So. Oh, he's a master armorer. <laughs> and I'm just uh, and I'm his and, safe and I'm trying to find Mike. I'm trying to find Mike Brown's TikTok. Oh, you gotta I'm go doing a little You gotta go to Yes Mike Said It. That's the name of it. Oh, I don't have TikTok. Yes, and Mike me, said. Mar- Boom, there it is. I got me, you. Marquise and Mike handle all of the Chicago consulting and, and movie films. There are movies. There are. There is a whole stunt crew out in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't. I, we don't need to be a stunt crew. We I just. 557,000 followers. You I got like what? four. I said, how you get 557,000 followers? I got like four. <laughs> I've been blessed, and I, I've I've made some movies that have gone. I've made some videos that have gone viral. And so you said movies. I there we go. Found chicken. Wow, wow. Not those. Not those. <laughs> that, that, that's why Mike said it is so popular because he know that that one that one couple of movies he did. But yeah, who said it? Mike said it. Hey, I used to have a goatee like Mr. Marcus, so you know. So, so hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. So, so my nickname is Baby Arm. <laughs> what? 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 Baby arm? Savage. I'm sorry, Angela. These guys. That's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, don't worry. I'm very much used right. to it. Savage. She's a stunt woman. Hold on. Here we go. Savage Johnson size average. We're ending with that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Wow. laughs> Look at Brian. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. These comments are not the comments of Brian. And Brian. <laughs> uh, are you guys still streaming? Yes, we are. No, we're, uh, we're about to end. when you're done streaming. All right, I'm going to end it now. Let's get out of here. Y'all come back Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Bye. <laughs> Yo, roll. All right, are, you done? are you done streaming? Hold on. Here Not we go. Yet. All right, we're done. Go. Okay. Now we are. Now we're done. I had a very good friend <laughs> that said, uh, and, and it just goes along with the movie thing and what, what Marquise was implying earlier. Uh, I said, uh, he said, yeah. He gets on the PD, and I said, "I said, well, what'd you do before this?" And he goes, "Ah, I worked in uh, Simi Valley a little bit." I said, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, I was a stunt dick." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, totally some using that." Legit stunt people, like I know some stunt people who have worked on porns. Right? right. Yeah. But well, who, well, who the hell puts on a resume? I was a dick double. <laughs> <laughs>
Come on, man. It was a joke. <laughs> hey, I mean, if, if you haven't, I guess if it's nine, though. Look, shit's crazy. <laughs> shit's crazy. I like it after it. it. Angela needs to get after more it. Hang with us. What? I said Angela should join us more often because she can hang with us. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm used to. I'm used to. Uh, yeah, I've been around. I've been in the inner sanctum of my entire life. That's what I call I, it. Inner sanctum. I've only been on this show one time before, and I thought that all of them were going to.